Hello, and welcome to a brand new episode of Third Degree Burn. I am Tim Elliott, long lost host, and with me is my co-host, Brian Hughes, and our special guest, Kurt Greenfield. Thank Hello. You. Hello. What's happening, Somebody guys? Take- <laughs> yeah, what's happening, Crickets. guys? How are you, you guys doing? Uh, I'm, I'm good. You know, I'm surviving, you know, uh, you know, I'm living in Las Vegas and surviving. I can't tell you how much we've missed you, you know, being on these. Um, it's just like half of me is gone when you're not there. <laughs> I'm stuttering. I'm, I'm, you know, I need Kirk and I need John and David, you know, all those other guys to hold me up and keep me in line. Cause oh, you, I'm Brian, <laughs> you, you, you've never been lost of words, a loss of words. So you, uh, I don't, uh, uh, I don't think that being, being a big problem, but yeah, it's, it's good to be back on. It's it's been a weird couple months uh, with the yeah, transition yeah. here to Vegas, and and of course you know the world upside down and everything else. So it's just been it's just been weird. I believe we're at but, day forty or forty one in uh, sequestering right now, so it's we've all had a really strange ride at yeah, this point. Yeah, it's just nothing seems to nothing. There's no. I'm, I don't have any rhythm for anything to do. My my uh, my my uh, I feel like I don't I don't uh, I don't feel like I don't know what to say. But my uh, I'm a creature of habit, so I don't have a uh, a rhythm going. I don't have a, a structure around me that much. So it's uh, uh, and working from home. I don't I don't really like working from home because I don't feel like I get as much work done. I going into the office. I know some people like, and the other guys that I work with love working from home because they don't have to drive in and people don't bug them. But I find I like the structure of going into the office and be able to talk to people and be around people. And, and when I'm stuck at home, it, I get there's too many distractions. I'm such a social person myself that I, I thrive in a, a large office environment. But I've been working from home for so long that I, I miss that in a big way. Um, but, you know, we all do what we you know, I've got to do. Uh, yeah. And my job is taking care of me very well over these past couple of years. I just wish I was taking care of it as well. I think I am. I hope I am. But uh, be that as it may. Uh, let me ask you guys, uh, have you, as this lockdown has been going on, have you been able to do business with your LCS? I well, I, I haven't gone to my LCS in a long time because I bet when I was – I'm not even buying comics now. Yeah. But I was – I was I was just for just for saving sakes I was going to um, um, I was buying them online yeah because I was I was saving more money. What about you? There's Kurt? about four. There are four or five small comic shops in Southeast Ohio where I live or work. Um, surprisingly enough, they've sprung up in the last five years. And although I try to give oh. them some business, I don't give them regular business, and as a result. Um, it's an occasional thing. Like if, if somebody on Back to the Bins mentions an issue that they're going to review and it's particularly good and I haven't read it or don't have it, I will go seek it out. Um, but other than that, I'm not buying any new issues. So most recently we've talked about, uh, the Incredible Hulk annual number seven yeah. last episode. And I have thought, gee, I should go buy that. So I tried calling all my local shops and none of them answered. They're shut down by this voluntary shutdown for the, the, the virus. So instead, I got on eBay and I ordered it for five bucks. And it should be oh, here in nice. another week. 
you know, I'd rather give them the business, but due to circumstances right now, I can't. I can't even give them this occasional stuff. Well, I'm would, very worried. Yeah, what I would I don't say think they're if you could is to check and see if your your LCS has a Facebook page. Um, the shops around here, and there's three shops within just a few miles from me. Collected, which is owned by Ron Killingsworth, and uh, he's an old friend of mine from back in the days of Heroes Workshop. That was the comic book shop that I almost took over. Um, and uh, he's got two shops. One of them's within walking distance of my house. And every other night on Facebook, they have uh, a live sale going on. It's almost like an auction where they'll sit mm-hmm. there and they got three rows of books. The first row is going to be like expensive books anywhere, you know, $15, $28. Sometimes they've had some that have been like $1,200 or $300. Oh. You know, they, 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 you know, it just depends on what it is. And then the second row is $5 books. The third row is $3 books. And, you know, they're, they're from all over the place as far as, you know, when they came out and, and, and what they are. But you know, it's like if you see it, you you, you type into the, the chat uh, which book you want and where you want it to go. Like if it's going to go to the store by me, you put a K for Keller. And then the other store is the Fort Worth store, so they put FW. And then, uh, you know, it's like if you're the first one to put in for it, you win that book. And then, of course, you go and pick it up a couple days later. And so a lot of the, the shops around here are doing that or something similar to that to keep the business going. And so, you know, they're selling a lot of the, a lot of the old stuff. The other thing that um, I got, a, well, in, in all that, I was able to get, um, I got myself uh, other copies that are actually better than the ones that I have because the ones I have are readers of Avengers 185 and 186, and that's the Wondergore um, Mordred story. Mm-hmm. And then um, some old Doctor Strange, some uh, late 70s Justice League America, and some Mike Grell, Green Lantern, Green Arrow. And then I got a Frank Robbins uh, Shadow, issue number five from DC Comics from back in the day. Nice. And some old, uh, some George Perez Fantastic Four. And then I got for my son uh, issue eight of Spawn. I was able to get that, I believe, for $8.00. And then Deadpool Secret Wars, which uh, they spoof the uh, Secret Wars cover where the Hulk is holding the mountain up from the Avengers. Mm-hmm. And then I was able uh, also to get a couple of those those dollar comics, the True Believers. That uh, Marvel, the, Marvel, yeah. yeah, so the Purple Man issue of Daredevil, the Absorbing mm. Man first appearance of Thor. These are dollar comics. And uh, Avengers Annual number 10, which is the infamous... Uh, it's the first appearance of Rogue, but it's also where you find out that the Avengers really betrayed uh, Ms. Marvel, Carol Danvers. Yep, and I remember it. For a dollar comic, DC's puts them out as just dollar comics, the book four finale of The Judas Contract, mm. which uh, is all great stuff. And you know, I tell you, I'm loving these dollar comics that they're putting out, and um, though they're they're kind of... You know, when they first started doing them, they were putting out just like landmark issues, and now it seems like they're putting out a lot of other stuff that people aren't interested in. So the sales on them have dropped. Uh, talking with some of the guys from the comic book shops here, um, so I, I don't know if that's something they'll be able to continue. But it's interesting that they're able to print these for a dollar. I mean, I guess as a reprint, they don't have to pay as much out to uh, the creative types. And no, it's just like running it. It's like running a uh, you know, just pulling the 
pulling the uh, I guess the the plates and running them again. I, I I picked up a lot of those when I was still collect ordering online, and a lot of times I would take them to uh, my boss, whose son was. He had two kids, and one of them was like really into comics, or kind of into art, but would read comics. So if ever I would find cheap quarter books or stuff like that, I would pick them up and take them and uh, and give them to him, so his kid had something. Because you know that, that you're reading some really classic stuff for a buck. So yeah, and that's, the printing that's, is beautiful. The paper they're putting it on and the illustration is really good. I picked up the Star Wars, and I made a comment I think on Facebook about it. I picked up the Star Wars number one. It was a enough said, and I thought the coloring was horrible it's it, like they had recolored it and it was just um it just it was wasn't good you know but i that's kind of how I'll, I'll support local books i mean local stores is i will i won't necessarily i won't have like a pull list anywhere but i will if i go to a town i recently did this when we were in new orleans we went down there for my birthday and I thought I'll just search out a comic shop and I found one Yeah. and I'll go through their like dollar books or their quarter book. And they had a bunch of upstairs. They had just boxes and boxes of dollar books or 50 cent books. I don't remember. And I was, you know, going through all those and the guys came up and said, Oh, I don't know if you knew we're having a sale. He said they had like a regular comic bag, a plastic bag. He says, whatever, whatever comic you can get, fill this, this bag with, it's ten bucks a bag. Okay. Wow. That's so I went. Oh, okay. <laughs> so I was. I filled in mostly DC. I filled in so much of my uh, post John Byrne Superman stuff. Adventures of Superman, Superman. I've just and because they were just whole runs. I mean, almost full runs of that stuff. So I must. I've brought came out there with about four bags. So I must have bought about a hundred books. So I support them that way. I don't. And then if you know if they've got a, a back issue, I want. But I'm. My most of my back issues now are in the they're too expensive to buy category and not yep. the two dollar and three dollars. I've already bought all those. I think it'll be interesting to see what what you find is there local in Las Vegas once you know the the lockdown and everything's lifted and you're able to. Yeah, they've got several. They've got five or six uh, comic shops here. I'm I'm interested in going to check them out. And you can check out the, what the Pawn Stars uh, Pawn Shop because they got comics yeah. there too. <laughs> yeah, just you know, buy yeah. a shovel, you'll get a cheap price. <laughs> if he's not in jail, I don't know. <laughs> so, um, well, Tim, how has your experience been on X Men Elsewhere? Have you been been reading it as it comes out or in binging it? I have not. I binged it um, uh, yesterday and Friday. I had uh, I would see these as they come out on Facebook, but I was not reading them. And every time you bring them up, I'm like, no. Nah. Well, other than that first issue we covered where it had no dialogue, we just went through and looked at the pictures. Yeah, I haven't read them, so uh, I went and found all the ones that were CBRs and downloaded them and put them on my iPad. And so I was reading mainly for this show. So I've read up through issue i've read up to issue eight and i breezed through nine just to kind of see where eight left off i wanted to see what was going on with um with nine and i think ten's out now right yeah ten is almost finished um i mean we're, we're in the last week of it i saw uh, some pages coming out for that but i haven't yeah. i haven't looked at it yet but yeah and, and uh, i mean each each day like each page is almost a cliffhanger in and of itself uh so friday is left off on a good thing and and uh, he says uh, he said on his site yesterday that he had finished uh, the art on issue thirteen, so we got three three more there in in the hopper, and I think he's going to go all the way to twenty. Um, 
to get to his grand finale as far as the Phoenix storyline goes. But I could be wrong on that, though. Um, I know that, and, and I haven't. Yeah, and I haven't read up uh, the kind of the backstory on this. I mean, you're 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 probably much more uh, uh, knowledgeable on that because when you guys have been covering it, and I I really didn't. I know you. Uh, I listened to the first issue, the first uh, show you guys did. The last one you did, I started it, but I didn't really listen to all of it because I wanted to not have that kind of cloud the way I was going to talk about this. I want I don't want to hear your thoughts first before I read these and kind of put my thoughts down. So gotcha. I'm going to go back and I'll uh, you did what five and six. I'll go back and listen to that after we cover this. But because I'm kind of interested in that because I've I've been enjoying these, but I, there there's some problems I've got with them, but. Um, we can get and that may to have to do with yeah, yeah. I'm well, sure maybe things you guys have already covered. You know, the thing is, is, is that there's been I, I'd say the one thing that he needs more than anything is an editor. Mm. And, I agree there. And I mean, but you know, at the same time, I think the reason why this is going the way it is, the reason why we're getting it, is because he doesn't have an editor to sit there and tell him you're doing something wrong or you're going in the wrong direction or you. You know, it, he, it is just solely his muse, his, you know, product creation, you know, in motion there. And so he's having, I think he's having the time of his life doing this just because it's what he wants to do. It's what he wants I think to do, what he wants to write. I think you can tell by the artwork. The artwork shows that he is ha- he's having a blast with this. Yeah. Um, so I think there's no there's no doubt that he's having fun with it and, and it's whatever and, and you know until it runs out of gas and he decides he doesn't want to do it anymore we you should be you should be thankful we've got these because this is a great take on it's not if this was if this was published if this had gone to Marvel and they inked it and published it and he had an editor and they kind of fine tuned a little bit as a this is and maybe you can speak to this Brian is this is this where he wanted to go with the Phoenix storyline, is this strictly him or is it any of this also stuff he had maybe talked to uh, Claremont about the way they were going to go? Or is this all, all his idea? There I think are, it's all his, well, there it's are all some, his and um, it's not necessarily where it was going to go. Right. He's, he's, yeah. He's definitely taking a, a bit of a different direction. Go ahead, Kirk. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt you. No, I'm just repeating what, what you had said. Mm-hmm. It's your thought. Go ahead. Well, you know, the thing is, way back in the day when he was working with Claremont, they had kind of mapped out how they were going to get to issue 150. The The overlying concept, though, that's in there is part of this, and that is that Phoenix would become their villain, but it wouldn't be Gene. And so, I, I mean, I you know, I mean, we're seeing that somewhat. Uh, uh, we're seeing the bits and pieces of that. We don't know what direction that's going to go for sure. But that's the way it looks that you know that, that he's going to head. At the same time, what's happened, what's you know happened in, in the issues leading up to now, aren't necessarily what they would have done. I don't think he, um, be, because you know he was doing you know they had done Days of Future Past, and the way that they, that he had helped plot that out is that the X Men would have a clean, decisive win over the Sentinels. They would prevent that future from happening, and then they would go on. But Claremont changed that in that moment when he had Kate Pride kiss Kitty as they switched. Because when Kate changed the future, when she saved Senator Kelly, 
She should have disappeared. That should have been the end of her story. There should have been no more. She doesn't exist. And because yeah. because he Claremont changed that, anything after that is is different. The Sentinel storyline that's going on right now, um, you could say that is part of that uh, storyline where, from Days of Future Past, as I look back, the Sentinels had gone and wiped out all the heroes. Um, the 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 progress of how it's supposed to go is completely different here, just because. You know the, the 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 things are happening differently. Jean's still alive. You know, mind of a five year old, but she's still alive. And so, a lot of other things are different. And so, this story is just going to go wherever it goes. So you're not going to see Days of Future Past ever. As a result, it, it it's not a part of this storyline. What we're seeing is the Sentinels trying to do whatever. But I, I mean. As far as we can tell, that's not going to be successful. It's a comic book. Hero's going to win. Right. So basically, it's we're kind of seeing what the the days of future, past, future. We're kind of we're, we assume whatever led to that point in history happened after what we were currently reading in the books. Then that happened in between. What well, this yeah. sounds like is this is yeah because you haven't you didn't see it. You just knew that. Well, this is what happened. Uh, See the thing. Well, is, no, okay. the, the thing is, is that remember that the, the storyline here in Elswin picks up at the end of X Men one thirty seven, but instead of course, you know, Phoenix killing Jean, killing herself, and um, Scott leaving the X Men and that story going on, Jean is saved, and the story goes on. But we get some storylines, but others don't necessarily happen. We don't have any Kate Pride coming from the future to change anything, and that's not going to happen. We did have Kurt and Logan go off to Canada, and that presumably was for the Wendigo story, but all we know is that we saw them coming back. They didn't say what right. happened. They just said they, they were coming back from Canada, and at that point, Kurt was calling Wolverine Logan, which we know is a story point that happened in that storyline. Right. So, I mean, again, you know, it is, it's like what, what Byrne says whenever he's taking over a book is that you keep what you want and you just discard the things you don't. And so he doesn't want all that other stuff. He just wants to tell this story, let it go on right now. And, and the thing is, is like he's also writing it as though it was happening today, not as though it was happening 40 years ago. It's just the storyline is continuing in today's times. You know, I was on a Facebook page this weekend, another uh, Burn fan Facebook page that I stumbled on. I'm not sure how I got there. But somebody made the comment that they had seen a comment either on Burn Robotics or someplace where Burn said, I hope fans realize that the conflagration that they're seeing, the fight with the Sentinels that is building in Elsewhen, is that big, massive battle that was referred to back in Days of Future Past. Mm -hmm. And the light bulb went on for me. It's like... Oh, okay. So we're just kind of seeing Days of Future Past happening. It's like it's got pushback. We're kind of seeing. Uh, no, he's not. He's not saying this is Days of Future Past. He's saying that a massive conflict where the Sentinels wiped out all sorts of heroes. We are apparently seeing that conflict right now. Right now but the outcome is very likely to be different for for whatever reason. 
you know, it, it's going to play out differently. It's not going to necessarily lead to Days of Future Past, future and storyline, but the event that one gotcha. of the events that led paved the road to that is well, happening right now. And there's an obvious wild card in that, all right? And that is Cyclops. Because yes. if you looked at the normal timeline, Cyclops left the X-Men. He was with Lee Forrester on the boat. Here, he's with the X-Men. He's able to see what's going on. He's able to sit there and utilize everybody he needs to, including Sue Storm, in which you haven't seen yet, Tim. And, yes. And so Cyclops is the, the guy that's able to, to see things and direct things in such a way that the X-Men can get you know a, a different outcome. So Okay, well, that's... Yeah, me, we'll leave it at that. Back up. <laughs> I'm gonna back up something you said. His burn stated that this is this is not supposed to be taking place in the 2020, right? Is this in in the story? Is it still supposed to be set no, that, in like that's, 1975? That's, that's why I'm saying is is that he is treating it as though as it's happening today. He is not going to sit there and change continuity. He's not going to use the characters as they are now. He is basically writing that book as though he was writing it 40 years ago, and now he's writing it today, and he's just picked up where he left off. Okay, that's what I thought because he does make he does make a few um, topical some, references, right? The Harry Potter, which which I thought was odd. Yeah, that one. That's just kind of a that's more of a meta comment, you know. That, um, but that's what I thought because if you look at the the, the clothing styles and everything, he's and even the way he's. Uh, I know we're not going to really cover it. Well, we at the very end of one we see when you see the when you see uh, Reed Richards brought in, mm-hmm. you notice he's drawing him the way he did when he drew the FF before when he did those couple issues before he actually took over as the primary art or, uh, writer artist. Yeah, and so he he, make, at one he, po- he made him a little bit more brawny. Right, he was yeah because yeah, at one point he made him a little more lean and kind of lanky. He's drawing uh, now style, and then he right to his own later, yeah. Which is cool that he's drawing the way so that it does look like. Uh, and I'll even say he's changed his his artwork so it does really mirror the way he. Uh, I can just imagine how great this would look if he had Terry Austin come along and ink it. Um, <laughs> And then you do some colors because sometimes it's hard to tell because it's so gray in pencil. It's kind of hard to tell what's going on, uh, especially he's drawing a lot of rubble and stuff. But it's it's beautiful artwork. I mean, I think well, some of the best stuff he's done. Shall we get into it then? Sure. Sure. Okay. Well, when last we left, uh, the X Men had gone to Asteroid M using the Sentinel Stratojet that they'd procured from them a long time ago, and. Uh, when they were confronting Magneto, who Wolverine had uh, wounded greatly in the previous issue, Magneto, real, you know, said basically he doesn't have the strength to fight him, but he does have the strength to release the well to do what he does, and he releases the uh, magnetic holdings that's keeping the whole asteroid together, and the asteroid at that point just slowly falls apart, and that brings us uh, to our next issue, which is did you say it was seven? Which is yes. home is where the hurt is, and our story starts off um, just uh, takes a takes a little left turn. It starts off at the home of uh, uh, Terry and Ashley Martin. Uh, if you remember, Ashley was uh, the little mutant girl that was able to control inanimate objects. She was able to take control of the Sentinel in X Men: The Hidden Years. And uh, at the end of page one, as as they're doing some mundane stuff, a Sentinel comes crashing across a house. And going after Ashley Martin, 
And of course, uh, the next page is a detour somewhere else. What do you think of that first page, though? I don't Another like that. It's <laughs> crashing through the right hand side of the panel. I, uh, I I haven't. I've got the hidden years. I haven't read them, hmm. so I wasn't. I didn't know who this actually was. I thought it was just a character that he was bringing in. I didn't know he was bringing in something that he had. Well, obviously, I guess he had created her in the hidden years. Uh, so I didn't have any idea what her powers were when later on it's revealed what she did. I'm like, who is this girl? What are her powers? You know, what she acts like she's, you know, they mentioned it that, or the mother says in this page, oh no, not another one. And I didn't, I was a little confused because I didn't know I hadn't. Um, yeah, I hadn't. Uh, I'd say that she's, the kid seems to be the daughter of Madison Jeffries, but I could be wrong. <laughs> well, that well, could be, be yeah. I, I do wish I, I was. Oh, sorry. No, go ahead. Uh, I do wish, and maybe this is what, what he would need an editor for. They don't do this now in modern comics. I, I will say this: I love the dialogue in this is written as if it was written, written, you know, forty years ago. So you see, you have thought bubbles, and he had left more exposition. Uh, but there are no uh, editor notes. This could really use some editor notes of like. Say X Men Hidden Years number whatever. Of course, he if he's assuming that came later, he he may not make that comment. But I I, I miss those in comics now. Some yeah. kind of because uh, that one that makes me want to go seek out that issue. And I'm gonna go buy it and read it. So it, to me, it just helps kind of knit the whole continuity together. But, but there's nine. We'll uh, see. Yeah, there's there's I mean there's what 19 issues of X Men Hidden Years or 20 something issues of it. And, I mean, they're great. Tom Palmer does the inks, so it's got that same kind of look. Not quite the same kind of look. It's more, it's more like a Neil Adams-y sort of look um, from the X-Men books before the Cochrane year started. Yeah, and, uh, you that's know, not a bad thing. Yeah, they, they went for that look, but it's not, you know, Byrne and Austin. And so a lot of people were, you know, kind of standoffish on it. I think that's... You know that that the choice of Tom Palmer's anchor may have may have hurt the sales of the book, though it was still successful, uh, even though Marvel decided to can it. Uh, but I'd say if you get a chance, read those; they're really really good. And, uh, you get to see you know the Fantastic Four like you do here back in that day, and you get to see other characters. And of course, you know you've got the mutants that um, we love to hate, like uh, Eunice, the Blob, and um, the others that show up in there. Well. Uh, um, the Hidden Years, did that come before or after uh, yeah. Spider-Man Year One? Well, the Hidden Year, the year. idea behind the Hidden Years is that, if you recall, when the X-Men comic books were going on, they, they actually got canceled. And so for 20-some-odd issues, or 30-some-odd issues, reprints. they were just doing reprints. What Byrne was doing was bridging the gap between the Neil Adams... Roy Thomas books okay. and, and I yeah, the giant size X-Men one. So he was going to do the exact number of issues leading up to that. And then that would be that gap that, you know, you, you get to see what happened before Krakoa. Okay. I thought it was more of his, this is what's happening in between the panels kind of approach to yeah. there's some of that, but not a lot. Yeah. yeah. And, and just, yeah, I, I mean, I, I hate to to you know go over something we've gone over before, but in case you know the, you know someone's picking up this this episode new and hasn't listened to any before, and they're not sure what we're talking about with John Burns X Men also, and what we're what we're actually talking about here is John Burns fan fiction that he's doing on his own, 
picking up where he left off with the X-Men at issue 137, except Jean Grey lives. And uh, if you've read Phoenix, the untold story, that shows uh, the alternate ending. If you want to read these, you should read Phoenix, the untold story first and then go into these. You can find them on John Burb's website, uh, burnrobotics.com. But you can also find bound volume or or a a CBR or PDF versions of it in the file section of the Burn Victims Facebook group. That's that's where I went. Yeah, and that's what I read. Those are nice. Yes, I I, I really appreciate that. Um, And you'll also see, if you look over John Burns' website on the the pencil practice in inking, you see that people are, X-Men also in inking, that is, people are taking a stab at inking his pages themselves and posting them there. But they're also posting them to a lot of the Facebook groups, too. And we're seeing a lot of really good efforts and some uh, a little harder. Someone recently posted a, a page of you know Magneto standing over Cyclops from the, one of the last issues we did that they did in like all Zipatone. And uh. it was crazy. It looked interesting, but definitely not something I want to see in a comic book. Uh, anyway, we'll be going ahead and putting a link to the to these uh, in the uh, notes there. So if you go to our website at twotruefreaks.com to download this, you'll see the links to uh, read these on Burns' website. Anyway, <laughs> so back, you know, we're, we, we just finished page one. Like I said, the Sentinel came through, and that, of course, is the most dynamic panel on that whole page because everything else was just like Millie the Model or... You know, just a nice little suburban neighborhood. But I got to tell you, these Sentinels are like stealth because you don't know they're there until they're right on you. Yeah, you think you'd see a 30-foot-tall uh, uh, humanoid figure walking or if it, if it landed, they don't act like their their jet boots are necessarily silent. So uh, how they're – I mean, they're I guess they're caught up in trying to get this – to getting Ashley to work. So I'd she's also not working. I'm just going to – I would expect to hear something akin to Ed two hundred nine from RoboCop. That's you know, the, yeah, that's probably the kind of voice. That you, that's the kind of the voice you think you'd have, but still, it's it's <laughs> well, just the movement <laughs> itself. The, you know, just walking around and the, the sound of it stepping on the ground. And I mean, we know the Transformers and the Transformer movies were not much you know larger or smaller than these. And just the, the the way that they represented how they affected the ground and everything around them, it seemed like they'd be kind of noisy. But, oh, yeah, uh, absolutely. Yeah. Or you think something would just, you know, I don't know. Did, did and I've, I'm, this is on, I think, all these new Sentinels I've seen in, in looking at this. Is it just me, or do the faces of the Sentinels look like they're African-American? Well, just you. Is, I, get, you know, I, I know that makes me, that sounds terrible, but... That's just the impression I got. I don't know if that's the way he's drawing them. Maybe if they were ink, they would look differently. But for some reason, it just looks. It, it is the way that, that the, the mouth is being drawn. I and, think that's it. But you also have the heavy shadow over what would be the eyes. Mm-hmm. And and like in this case, the the sunken and that yeah sunken cheeks and all that. That's adding such definition. I can understand why you're saying that. But you know the thing is, is that up until. Elsewhen, whenever we saw Sentinels, I don't think I'd ever recognized that they had lips. And but now going back and looking, I do see them even in the um, that that Hulk annual with the Master Mold. Um, it's just certain angles you see them, and other angles you don't. Right. I've been drawing a lot more angles where you do see them uh, in in Elsewhen. But also, again, you know there are 
a few different models of the Sentinels going around. Uh, there are the new Project Wide Awake models that Shaw's putting out, but there are also the the Trask ones. There's Master Mold, and you know we'll we'll see a lot of different things as we go along. I hope I'm yeah. I mean, again. This whole thing that we're that we're talking about here, everything that we're saying is a spoiler, and we're going over it in a lot of detail. So if you you know if you're if you haven't looked at it, I, you know, I mean, you're going to hear a lot of everything. I, you know, I can't, you know, you know, stress more that we're spoiling everything. But I, I think if you've uh, been listening at this point, you've been listening probably for a little bit and are already aware of that. Yeah. I also say that it's, it's cool to walk, look at these because you don't rarely get to see unfinished pencils unless you're seeing like some kind of Ashcan um, uh, edition. You get to see how how burn grids it out before he starts to yeah. get his perspective down and before he starts drawing, which is really interesting as a, a kind of a peek behind the curtains. Yeah. And I mean, just great. De- I, you know, one of the things I really like is as the panel before the Sentinel shows up. Now, I don't know if the crack in the sidewalk there is because the Sentinel is stepping up behind them or if that was no. there before. No, and I it, just think it's a flagstone patio. Yeah, it's a sidewalk. Yeah. Yeah, because okay. it's coming around the side of the building and shattering the building. It's not there yet. I don't know why it always. Whenever they show up, they always shatter things. You know, yeah. are they that uncoordinated, or do they just not care? They don't have enough <laughs> space. Just, don't. You got to figure that's probably. I mean, it's not zero lot, but the way that they have the houses and the garage and everything, so they're pretty close together. So you figure maybe twenty, twenty-five feet at most between the two houses. So as the Sentinel's coming in there and it's trying to go in a straight line, it's going to, yeah, it's going to bump into the houses. Not, I had a roommate that was like that years ago. He'd bump into all the walls. He would, didn't destroy them like this. <laughs> still got a few marks left over. need to paint over. Well, there's, and we'll talk about it later in this issue or the next one. There's a lot of talk, and it's mostly from Jean Grey's parents, of property damage. There is a lot of dialogue given to, oh, our house is destroyed. Oh, their house is destroyed. How are you going to pay for it? Their insurance, you know, and I thought, that seems very modern. That's almost feels like when, it's an adult consideration. Exactly. It's it's yeah. not. I don't think if this was written this if this was written back when it was supposed to be fit in, you wouldn't have that kind of dialogue. It's more of it's more a comic. Uh, it's like comic or sci-fi type fans that would get together and say, "Well, how come we don't ever see this in a comic?" You know, or if this was real, this would happen. And that seems like that's. That seems the kind of dialogue that that would happen. That would somebody would bring up then, like, well, who pays for all these houses these guys tear up? Well, the, the thing Damage is, control. is that, is that <laughs> exactly the, the, the funny thing is, is that back in the day, yeah, Professor X wouldn't necessarily be as uh, free with his wallet uh, as he has <laughs> been in, in in these issues. However, well, that was Kitty. That was Kitty. Yeah, well, I know his wallet on that one. <laughs> <laughs> true, true. But in uh, back in the day, in, at this day day and age that we you know we read back on uh, Iron Man, Tony Stark was that you know uh, Iron Man would always say the yeah Tony Stark would cover the costs. So they were talking about that there in Iron Man in the days of like David McElhaney and Bob Layton, you know, in, in those days, which are pretty much synchronous times to you know the Byrne, Austin Claremont era of the X Men. Yeah. Yeah, it just, it just, that just, that just felt, I'm trying to read this in the mindset of, oh, okay, if I'd read this 40 years ago when I was reading the other books, and I was trying to, <clears throat> I'm trying to place, does Byrne have the same voice? Does he have 
the same character voices that uh, him and uh, uh, Claremont would have. You know, mm-hmm. some of his storytelling is a little different. Some of it pulls me out, and I'll bring it up later when we see it. Yeah. Um, and of course, it can't be exactly. I mean, even if him and Claremont were working on this together, it wouldn't sound exactly the same because there's 40 years difference, and right. you know, people change, people grow, and they have new ideas. So that's unfair to think this should sound exactly like it should be 40 years ago. But um, that's just some of the things that kind of they're nitpicks, but they pull, kind of pull me out a little bit. Yeah, go to that next page though, and on page two we see Reed Richards, the Vision, Iron Man, Captain America, and the Beast pulling apart the Sentinel that uh, Scarlet Witch had disabled in the previous issue. And this is this is like one of my favorite shots here. It's got Westworld and Maskatron and Adams and Byrne and just all sorts of wonderful, you know, tech in it. As you see them tear, tearing apart that Sentinel. I love how man's lifting up its leg. Yeah. Doing something. <laughs> but... Uh, yeah, this is a pretty cool scene. I mean, they've got his face off, and Richards, of course, is, you know, bending all over it and looking at everything and trying to figure out exactly what. Um, and up, and then again, we're kind of in spoilers, but up to this point, they're talking about this as some kind of new tech. We have, that hasn't been established yet, right? Who is providing, I mean, I know Shaw is behind this, but they haven't established yet who is providing the, uh, the, the new tech for these. Have they? No, no not just, yet. It's all coming okay. from Shaw Industries. And okay. in, the, in like the second issue, I think it was Prototype, where we saw Shaw just running the, the Sentinels in that downtown attack against Storm and Kitty. And you saw Sean and Gyrich there. So we, we knew that the government was a part of it since Gyrich is the government guy. Yeah, that's what I, yeah, that's what I figured. But it was just they, they mentioned that it's... This is a totally different type of sentinel, even though it looks the same on the outside. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if that means tech-wise, or maybe it's software, or... Uh, well, we, we do have know. one aspect of the software is different, in that it has no qualms about taking human life. We saw that in, right. proto- in Prototype, that it didn't have any of the caution that the sentinels in the past had. Right, going against... Uh, or, um, what, what did they call them? They didn't call them... Uh, Mutants and uh, what is the word he uses from non-variants or something? Non-mutant, basically, non-mutant variants. Yeah, you know, mutants and then people who are you know people like Spider-Man. You know, or not. You know, in a way, I guess you could consider Spider-Man a mutant, but he's not. No, it's going to show up later on. Yeah, Spider-Man's a non-mutant variant. Like Carl yeah. Lycos is a non-mutant variant. <clears throat> right. But on, I'm I'm sitting there looking at this page for. Again, this is one that you could stare at for forever because there's so many nuances and beautiful things in it. The cap looking at uh, or talking to Professor Xavier in the second panel, just the detail that's on that. The look on Kitty's face down at the bottom left. And then, of course, uh, something that Byrne commented on on his site was as people were saying that the beast looks a little different than the way he used to draw him. And he says what he's trying to do here is he's trying to draw the old Hank McCoy face with the blue furry beast, you know, appearance. And so yeah, you're, I you're see, that, see now. that more. Yeah. But uh, so yeah, he has made some some adjustments. But then again, I mean, just everything here is so tight, and this is as tight a pencils for a page as you're ever going to see. I mean, you could you could print that without inking it. 
and it would just require a minor bit of touch up. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's, I mean, all his, all his, I mean, and it, 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 it varies a little bit. Some, some, some pages are, especially some of the splash pages he's doing, these double page spreads are just uh, incredible. And in some, you can see he's kind of, sometimes if it's a figure off in the distance, it's a little less detailed. Yeah. But I'm assuming that would get uh, picked up more, uh, whoever's going to come around and ink it. Um, but yeah, these, uh, you could easily, I mean, just clean them up so there are a little, some of them are a little, uh, they're not quite on a nice white, bright um, background. They're a little gray because of the, just, I guess, the paper he's using or the, the fact that he's using pencils. But um, it's, uh, oh, I, I never noticed that the vision was there. He's halfway phased inside. I didn't notice that. Yeah. The vision, I didn't notice that it was just his, because all you see is his cloak, but he's phasing into the Sentinel kind of, uh, I guess, trying to see what makes it tick. That's interesting. Yeah, well, it brought up uh, an interesting question is whether or not, uh, how the vision's power of phasing works. Ohatmu says that he can't actually affect anything other than himself, but here he is reaching in and affecting things on the inside, or at least probing things on the inside as far as we can tell. Well, he can't, unlike Kitty, he can't grab someone and make them ethereal, right? He can just... They have on occasion written it that way. Not not correctly, but yeah, that has been... We've talked about this, yeah. Yeah, They've slipped up before. It's whatever the writer needs him to do. And we'll see that actually later in Elswin, something that I was going to contest, but we'll get there later. Um, Let me ask you guys something. As long as we're on the second page here and you see the, the uh, Sentinel all splayed out there. I hadn't seen the faceplate when I first glanced at this, but that's really cool that it's laying off to the side. Do you guys remember a toy that came out, uh, I don't know, 20, 30 years ago now, where uh, you could get them at Toys R Us? It was a Sentinel um, action figure that stood at least head and shoulders above any of the other action figures. They ran about twenty bucks, which at the time just seemed to be outrageous. So I never bought one. I've got one. Do you remember them? Oh, really? Yeah, I've got one. I came with a Wolverine action figure too, and um, I got it for my son. And it, if you look on my old Facebook stuff, every now and then I would post uh, a picture of it, like holding the head of another action figure, doing the old, uh, you know, "Alas, poor Yurik, I knew him, Horatio," <laughs> you know, <laughs> or, or or other things. But yeah, I've got, we've got that Sentinel. I'm looking for Galactus too. I want to get that one as well. Was it? Was it the Toy Biz run? Because I've got the I, Toy Biz Galactus. I don't uh, know. Honestly, I don't know. I, I could run in there and grab that because it's up on this up on this shelf. But yeah, that's that's just, one of my favorite action figures of all time. <laughs> does it do anything other than be poseable? It's got button on the front so you can make it talk, and it, you know it gives that that Sentinel voice. It sounds like Ed Two Hundred Nine, and it <laughs> you know makes several you know Sentinel type statements, like uh, a chatty Kathy doll. Yeah. And, um, but I mean, really that's it, you know, it's, it's, but it's incredibly posable. You can do so much with it. It's got a great articulation, um, and it's incredibly durable too. It's real heavy plastic. Didn't they have a, uh, you can a signal that was like as a club, <laughs> sorry, Vagra, Vagra killing figure. Uh, didn't they do a build a figure where for a Sentinel, mm-hmm. if you bought enough figures, you had the pieces you could snap together and make a, a, yes. a Sentinel? I believe so. Yeah. yeah. A leg, an arm, a head, a torso. Yeah. I wish yeah. I'd gotten in on that and, and uh, I didn't. 
I'm sorry, I didn't mean to take us off on a tangent. No, no, Do you want to go to the next page? But yeah, I was going to say, you know, the thing is, I found that on I think eBay about six years ago for fifty dollars. I didn't pay a, uh. an arm and a leg. I mean, they were forty dollars when they first came out, if I remember right. Well, um, I thought they were. Tw- <clears throat> could have been, could have been, but I mean, I mean, the thing is, it wasn't ridiculously expensive. Okay, uh, let's see. Moving on to the next page, it's it's again more exposition. But it's exposition exposition between Xavier, Kitty Pride, Beast, Reed Richards, Iron Man. You know, there's a lot of talking heads here, but it is really, really good artwork. And as you said, it's reminiscent of the Burn Sinat work that we saw in the early 200s of Fantastic Four, um, especially that shot down at the bottom. And then yeah. an incredibly wonderful single shot of Kitty down in the bottom right-hand corner where she just... You know, she says, Professor, I'm really, really scared. And you can see it in every bit of her body language and everything. It's just. And she's standing alone. There's no yeah, background. Yeah. That's an isolated feel. That's exactly right. I had, I had a little issue when, when what she's referring to here about when Reed says, oh, Well, how did you defeat it? And Katie says, Well, that was me. I sunk into the ground. Um, with her being able to do that, I know that was what issue three or four. I can't remember now which one of these it was. Yeah. Her being able to do that with just starting out, she's going to take a, something that massive and be able to use her power on it. Uh, and I don't know if that was – I can't remember if that was established uh, in the original issues when she first came on board. Yeah. I think it was um, issue one of this series because she makes I, reference. She says, this is something a Cyclops suggested I try with Modok. And so yeah, she yeah. tries it with the Sentinel. But At least she, that's how I remember and, it. And I, I think that she's not like, you know, Luke Skywalker thinking it's too big. You know, she just knows that she grabs something and she can make herself immaterial. She makes it immaterial. She doesn't worry about the size. Well, no, and I just thought it would have been nice if she had to struggle a little more. It's like uh, Nightcrawler and trying to teleport somebody. You know, he, he yeah. could only, with somebody else, it was depending upon mass. If he had to do more than one person, that was more difficult for him. Um, but I don't, I, I, I had trying to, I was trying to remember if that had been established that she couldn't do something or like the invisible woman trying to make something, um, uh, invisible. That's, I don't know if she's ever had that, that restriction or not, but anyway, yeah, yes. that was just, she did up until issue 22. See, uh, you know, I, I gotta say, I really like the way that he draws Kitty's hair in every one of the panels that he shows her either from behind that straight-on shot there that's the third panel. And then, you know, the, the, the bottom panel, it's like there is so much detail in the way her hair is, and it's not indiscriminate. You know, it doesn't look like just a scribble, scribble, scribble. No, it's kind of doing like Burma. I, I, I love the shot of Iron Man's helmet in that upper left or upper yeah. right. Yeah. Um, Boy, he looks mad. <laughs> well, he seems concerned. You know, he says... Uh, um, you know, and yeah, and then of course, uh, one of the, the plot points here at the bottom of the page is that Reed's gotten an alert from the Baxter Building that they're, you know, something's breached their defenses, and we all know from the the last issue that was the Sentinels attacking to capture Franklin. Mm-hmm. You know, out. Iron Man's Iron Man says something there. They, they they keep hitting this point. Well played, Sprite, though I don't think Sentinels can scream. They keep coming back to that. I think that's going to be an important point that they – I'm speculating here. 
Because I don't know. But if Sentinels can't scream, then why did it scream? Well, maybe there was a human being inside that one that was screaming, that was dying. And who was that person? I wonder if that's going to play out important down the line. Maybe I'm off base here, but this is not the first time he's brought it back. If you go back to Days of Future Past, and they showed them in the future, which was like, what, six years ago or seven years ago, (laughs) 2013, wasn't it? Um, When Colossus collapsed that entire building down on like three or four Sentinels, they screamed as the building came down upon them. Um, Right. And now they never alerted to any idea of, of anything like that. And Chris Claremont never followed up on anything like that either uh, in any other dealings that he had with the Sentinels that I'm aware of. I mean, definitely not Nimrod. Nimrod was complete machinery. And then the other Sentinels that they showed him from Shaw uh, were just straightforward Sentinels. And then they, even well, in the uh, New Mutants, you know, you, you saw like Sunspot tearing the head off of one and it was just all mechanical. And wrong well, maybe it. it's to follow up on what Kirk said. Maybe it's not someone inside it, but maybe it's someone linked to it. Maybe they are controlling it with a some kind of a cyber helmet or something, so that when the Sentinel goes down, they feel feedback. some kind of a feedback or something, right? Or maybe their brain's been—that'd be even grosser. Maybe their brain's been uh, uh. Trans, <laughs> put into it. But I think it's more likely it's somebody controlling it, or well, maybe we'll it's. No, I think it's just the programming. Yeah, we'll see how this plays out. Yeah. You want to keep moving? Yeah. Next page, of course, shows uh, the title, Home is Where the Hurt Is. And Hurt is really damaged. <laughs> but uh, we see that the X-Men are all floating in space. Now, I can only see Cyclops, Storm, and Colossus. Do you all see Wolverine in there anywhere? No. No, I think he's... Yeah, I mean, there's so much detritus and, and things floating about uh, the X-Men... Uh, as the as the station itself comes apart, and of course, a lot of this sequence over the next several pages makes me think of that issue of the Fantastic Four, where Kristoff as Doom blew up the Baxter Building in space, and That's right. Reed, Sue, and Johnny had to find a way of getting back down to Earth. But um, the other thing is is and it's on the next page, is Colossus is drawn incorrectly. How so? Uh, if you look at his chest area, it, Byrne has drawn the, the lines of his armor differently than he's ever done before. It's always gone the other way. It's always been like a cross. So it makes it look like he's wearing something. Uh, you know, it's on, almost on, like yeah. it's almost like Spider-Man spider pattern. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I mean, you can yeah. also even see Spider-Man's eye in there a little bit. But uh, <laughs> Byrne had actually commented that, yeah, he made the mistake here, but he didn't go back and fix it. And it wasn't just here; it was in another another uh, panel as well that they actually used for the cover. But um, they did make good use of like Cyclops optic blast as, as a method of propulsion. I thought that was that was really cool. And Cyclops, of course, using his wrist thing to, I believe, control the Stratojet. Yeah, he's bringing it around. Of course, let's let's talk about his his, which I think is cool, of his blast. But doesn't Ohatmu mention that it doesn't? Because if that's the case, if he hits something, his head would snap back. Well, Byrne is the first person to sit there and say that Ohatmu was probably one of the biggest mistakes that Marvel ever made. In putting that out there, it quantifies it by quantifying everybody's strength level, quantifying you know how their powers work and how they don't work. It shoehorns the writer into a position where he cannot take any artistic license in 
and you, you know but how, I think how that's work. See, I don't, I don't, I, I don't know if that's um, I don't know if I agree with that or not. I I, I, I love a hot move because I want I want a a scientific explanation for things, but. I can see your point that if once you you know you to, your, you to quote you once you told you how the sausage is made then you can't you know you can't yeah it, it it's like midi mentality it's like midi like chlorians it's like you know once that's out of the bag you can't really bring it back but um, you can just kind of forget you ever said it. <laughs> yeah now um, in this on this page here and it's what the fourth panel you can see Wolverine yeah he's in the back floating and the thing is he had turned off. That Enviro force field, hadn't he, in the last issue? Yeah, because he wanted to be able to sniff the air. Mm-hmm. Now, let me ask you about that, because I wrote that in my notes. Have these little Star Trek-type uh, force field <laughs> Enviro suits ever been established before? Uh, I believe Reed Richards had used them before. At him, okay. Four, in the Fantastic Four books. But I'd have to go back and look again. Because I thought uh, their suits, I thought their costumes themselves were kind of built in. Uh, uh, Enviro suits, so you that with unstable uh, molecules, they'd be able to. Yeah, because yeah, <clears throat> then he established. Then then Johnny wear kind of a some type of a kind of a mesh or something that gave him a thin layer of oxygen, so he could flame on in space. Isn't that something along those lines? Of something like that. Yeah, but you know, I, this, this, these are all nitpicky comments. I mean, I'm not, this yeah. is not like. Oh, this this book sucks because of that. It's just you know, <laughs> yeah. it's it's what we do as comic fans. We nitpick it. So yeah. you can take a look at Fantastic Four Annual Six, the birth of uh, Franklin Richards, where Anilius is introduced. They needed backpacks to fly around in the uh, the negative zone, and there may be some reference at that point of how he's rigged breathing, but really? I don't remember it. Do you say Anilius or Anilus? I've always said thought it was Anilus. Is it Anilius? Uh, that's how I say it. I don't oh. know. I'm not saying you're wrong. I'm just saying I've oh, in my head. I've always thought it was a nihilist. Um Yeah, I don't know on that one. I've always like gone back and forth. <clears throat> anyway, we go to the next page, and Colossus is dragging Wolverine in, and they're getting into the Stratojet. The lettering looks really. I mean, it really stands out on this page. Um, I mean, it's well placed and all that, but there's something. I, I don't know. Maybe it's just me. But uh, the lettering. Uh, yeah, the, it, it, the lettering is fine in and of itself. It's the way the balloons are contrasting against the rest of the page. You know, like the page looks like an uh, a, you know good style comic book, but the the letter balloons, I don't know. There's something again. That's just probably just it could be also just the the way I'm looking at it in the, in the CBR rather than if, if I was looking at it on the website. That'd yeah, make a difference. Could be. Well, the sequence goes from left to right across the top, mm-hmm. and then except for Wolverine upchucking or whatever he's breathing uh it does it again right in the middle it goes left to right across the page i like the placement i, I don't yeah, see I a do. problem well again yeah. it's not there's nothing wrong with that with the the placement um and someone is ringing my doorbell but i just bought a ring doorbell how do you like that um it's it's pretty cool i'm looking to see who it is right now maybe just probably just a package just got dropped off yeah that's what it is do we need to take a break here? No, no, my son's going to get it. So, it's okay. Sorry. It's the, the Sentinels. There. Don't answer the door. It's <laughs> the Sentinels. That's right. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, uh, but again, you know, that's just it, it's what I noticed here. It kind of distracted me a little bit. I did like the sound effects there, the Wolverine. <laughs> and then the Batang. 
which always makes me think of Monty Python and the Holy Grail. The Knights Who Say Knee are now the Knights Who Say Eki, 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 Patang. Woo! Okay, I think mm-hmm. that's how it goes. But, <laughs> but well, I so, thought this was a little so odd. That that sound is the sound of the, the fragments are, are now attaching to the, the hull of the ship. Yes. Right. Right? Magnetically. What do you take of that? I, I, I have a theory of what's really going on here. He doesn't explain it, but why would they suddenly become magnetic and why would they suddenly attach to this ship? I assumed it was Magneto doing it. Yeah, I yeah. agree. So where's but, where is he? Right. He's on and, the well, strato jet, isn't he? I think he's he's either on the jet or he's in the cocoon, and this is his method of getting back to Earth as well. Uh, that explains yeah. it, Dennis. Like, I thought if he's trying to kill him, there's easier ways to do it than to cover this thing. Because at one point they say, well, this is also kind of shielding us. You know, it's it's acting like a, like a heat barrier. Yeah. yeah. Um, this reminds me a little bit of... Uh, and I don't think you watch it, uh, uh, Brian, but if uh, – Kurt, you ever watch Star Blazers or Space Cruiser Yamato? Are you familiar yeah. with that at all? Yeah, I, I even watched a live-action movie. Came out. I, I own that. Um, oh, yeah, yeah, that's yeah, great. I, I watched when Star they, Blazers when, as a kid, but yeah. Oh, I didn't know you watched – okay. The, where they send all the uh, – they collect all the asteroids and they cover the ship to use yeah. it as a barrier. That's what yeah. this kind of reminds me of. Oh, yeah, I hadn't thought of that. I, I, again, I was equating all this with the Fantastic Four um, – story of, of them coming back down, you know, Sue making the force field of, you know, shaped in the shuttle and Johnny, yeah. you know, absorbing the heat and everything. But I never yeah. thought about it. I like Kurt's idea that I never thought, I thought Magneto was doing this, but I thought he was trying to kill him. It never occurred to me that he was trying to save himself because if he's injured and he needs to get down to Earth too. Yeah. This makes perfect sense. So I think you're right there, Kurt, that he is, uh, he's stowed away on board or he's inside this cocoon or he's doing something to save his own hide. I suspect Byrne will come back and pick up the thread later on. On the seventh page, they give you an interior shot of what are the cargo bay under the what do you call this where all the chairs are cockpit. Cockpit. I don't see, I don't see him and I don't see any place for him. So I suspect that Byrne will do a flashback and tell us, oh yeah, he was under that third panel on the left, or he was, you know, here you can see his foot on this shot. Or I don't know. I think Byrne will come back and address this, or he's leaving himself an out. So that the character can be brought back right. someplace exactly. down the road. Yeah. Exactly, it's like a back door. And then uh, that the one page, and they're not numbered, are they? But I, I think I'm on. Uh, yeah, I'm on page eight. Okay, where uh, he's got the panels going from left to right, and you see that the stratagem is spinning, and then it, it mm-hmm. levels out, and then that beautiful shot of the the, the X Men profiles. There, where you see them all in the stratajet from the uh, the point of view, it's like you're looking in from the window from the side, but it's all angled down. Mm. This looks very. I know in some of the early issues, he he had um, he did it twice. When he did Shameless Neil uh, Neil Adams um, rip off or homage yeah. or whatever, however he said it, he did it again with uh, Gil Kane. This to me looks very Neil Adams. The way the panels are broken up, the angles, it's they're very kind of a Dutch angle. Um, not the artwork, but just the way the panels, just the way the panels are laid out, because you really yeah. get a sense of this thing spiraling in, and it, you know, with the way he's got it drawn, like you really get a sense of movement of this thing heading towards the earth. Yeah, I like it here, but I got to tell you, in the X Men: The Hidden Years, I got real tired of this, um, the the bizarre panel layouts and the the sequencing. Um, you know, just personal opinion, a little of that goes a long ways. 
Yeah. I didn't like it when, when Neil Adams first did it, when it was first published back in, what, X-Men 57 or so in the Sentinels attack. But now I love it. I mean, looking back on it, it's nostalgic. But, boy, uh, disorienting panels only work when they're in contrast to traditional layouts, which he is doing, you know, the rest of the book here pretty much. So, I Yeah, you I'm have not. to have something to well, – no, I think you're right. You have to have something to let your eye kind of rest when you get to – the next page and you want a, just a standard, not a, not necessarily maybe a nine panel, but something that's a little more standard the way the, the PEX page is to kind of give you a breather from that extreme, the extreme angles he's got. Yeah. Now I got to say, when you go to the next page though, I was kind of like, you got to be kidding me. Yeah. They came down right outside so her that's, house. They, that's yeah, pretty, right, that's, that's pretty good landing. Yeah, right outside the X mansion. <laughs> that, I mean, that's just, yeah. How oh, is you, that where they're at? Yeah, that's yeah, because that's, that's uh, Carla that's the Pablo's new house. Mother. Yeah, house the housekeeper. Okay. And yeah, then Cyclops goes right down to uh, the command center and, and starts talking to Professor X. Got it. So if Magneto was on board, he's someplace in that pile of rubble or the brush to the left of the ninth page there yeah. as they exit and they greet. I suspect I, I think, we'll see this scene again. Yeah, I, I think you'll see him like jumping out right before they crash. He will fly out of something. Yep. So he's not on the crash. He's and he saved himself. He's flown out. You know, frankly, uh, he should have been dead. He should yeah, have been he dead. Should be. I mean, he'd lost so much blood. He wasn't able to fight anyone. I mean, that's why he did that whole thing in the first. He should be dead unless he had already a means of escape. This the acrobatics needed for this would have killed him. But that's just me. I agree. Yeah, but I tell you, you know, it's like I really it's, love this page. Just the detail he's put on her face in mm-hmm. the two panels where he shows her face directly head on. I, I I feel like I know that girl. Yeah. What did, and maybe you guys have brought this up when you talked about it earlier. What did you guys think of the inclusion of um of her and her son as kind of a oh we destroyed your house hey come live with us. Yeah, kind of a, that that didn't sit very well with me, especially the the condescending. I've got a job for you, housekeeping. Yeah, you want to be a housekeeper? I, I say you've been a housekeeper before. You want to be a housekeeper again? You want to clean up after mutants? Well, I think that's a plot thread that's going to pay off. Yeah, that that kid has powers. That's that's a wild card. We haven't seen how that's going to fit in, but it's going to become significant. Yeah, one thing that I I pointed out when we're talking about them in the in the last um episode was that in the scene where the the knives you know he he threw the knives at him it really looked like they were going just for the mother not kitty in my opinion so i'm wondering if you know there's a dynamic there that we're still not completely aware of yet that when the kid has lucid moments he's actually scared of his mother he hates his mom I don't know. I, I again, you know, it's like the, it, it looked like they're the knives were going just for her in that carry sort of way. Yeah. So. That that whole storyline felt to me like that was written with today's modern sensibility because I think one a uh, I don't I may be wrong when I'm saying this, but I don't think 40 years ago they would have, have used the term like autism or autistic right. Right, the way right. they did here. So that feels like him kind of writing. Uh, a modern character, but putting in, which is fine because he's done it already, putting it in this story. Well, when you think of David, what didn't they consider David to be autistic at points? Did they ever? They just said but he had that, multiple. That, again, they never was, called him. 
Yeah, that was um, just Chris Claremont's story, though. That wasn't burned. Right. Wait a minute. Who, what dated? Uh, okay, Moira had uh, no, he no, did. Gabby. I'm sorry, Gabby. Uh, if you read the X Men during the, the Claremont and uh, Cochrane days after Burn, there was a storyline where Professor Xavier, Xavier saved. A, she was Israeli, is that right? Yes. And, oh, I can't. And her name. Her name was Gabby. Well, she had a, a, a baby boy named David, and apparently okay. that was Professor Xavier's son. Now, okay. there's a recent TV series on Fox called Legion, which is based yes. off that storyline. And that was David, uh, yeah, David, Mc, was he David McTaggart or David Xavier? or what? I don't remember. I don't know um, what his last sorry. name was. They had multiple personalities, like each personality had a different power, right? Right. Something like that. Okay. I, the, the character was used in New Mutants and elsewhere. Yeah. Right. I didn't mm-hmm. recall what his name was. Okay. Let's but keep I, I going. Thought they, I thought they had referred to him as autistic at one point, but I, I could be wrong. I could be wrong. I, and I don't want to, yeah. you know, I, you know, again, I could be absolutely wrong. I don't want to offend anybody. <laughs> when you look at the bottom of this page, do you get the feeling that Byrne really loves to draw Scott changing between the glasses and the visor? Because that's like the third time we've gotten a, a shot similar to this in Elswin so far, isn't it? I've seen a couple no, of them. He's, he's, he's constantly having to take those glasses and taking the uh, yeah. the visor off. Yeah. Uh, I think he's also emphasizing Cyclops as a human who loves Gene. And now the storyline is going back to Gene, and so he wants to show Scott's face. Right. Scott is concerned. Yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah, and then, yeah, going on to the next page, of course, uh, Cyclops is that Cerebro. God, I love that. And, you, and, and look how how short Wolverine actually appears and compact. You know, he, he's not the typical comic book, you know, tall guy. And Six I like foot the fact, muscle yeah, man. Yeah, he's five, what is he, five foot two? Something like that, or five Something one. Like yeah, that, he's, yeah. yeah, which is, yeah, they, uh, And And I'll, I'll say this again, you know, I said it before, it, that a lot of times when um, Byrne is showing Cyclops, with, you know, without his, uh, well, even with the mask, but without the mask in this case, he has almost a very Kirby-esque, even, I'd see a little bit of Neil Adams, even some Ditko in him, especially in that, that last shot when he's sitting there going, she's gone? Yeah, I can see that. It looks like he's had to redo his mouth. It almost looks like he had to erase it and kind of yeah. white out over it and redo it or something. Um, yeah, yeah, that's kind of cool. What, uh, since Storm, we're fixing to get into, are we fixing to get into it? Yeah, and Storm Space, of course, is really just clean and elegant. Which you figure she's probably still cut up from Moira's, from the attack at Moira's. Because that was just days ago, right? Or just a couple hours before? Or, yeah. Or at least one day ago. It hasn't been yeah. that long, I don't think. Yeah. But, what did I you, mean, since we're fixing to get into the next page, um, what did you guys think of this whole. Um, not with her running away from home, but the whole storyline of her being picked up by this trucker and obviously kind of what that situation is going for. I I didn't like it. I know it's meant to be kind of, I guess, disturbing or to show that she could be in danger. I mean, it's also to show that her powers are coming back into some way or something's going on with her. But I felt maybe this is what his intention was, but I felt the whole kind of storyline was a little distasteful, a little dirty. Yeah, we touched uh, on that last episode. You haven't heard it yet. I have a theory about who Dougie Freeze is supposed to be, but I've also had another thought now as this as 
in the middle of this page he collapses. I'm thinking Agnes McWhorter. Do you remember that character from um, oh, probably X Men one twenty five one twenty six? Yes. Saga. Yes. Look how the body's a little emaciated, and look yeah. how the beard and the. I. That's what this started reminding me of. That's yeah. That's what I got a little bit of that too, but because uh, we talked about that in our uh, top characters, I love love the character Proteus, but. It was just a little, I don't know, maybe I'm being overly sensitive. I thought maybe this, I just thought this didn't belong in a comic. I mean, I know it's meant there to be, show that she's in danger and show that there are these type of people out there, there are predators, but I just, you know, maybe I'm being approved. I just didn't like it. Well, it's an adult tale. You know, they're they're talking about a lot of adult themes here. Blood, um, you know, autism, uh, murder. Um, you know, they're, I don't mind it. I, yeah. And I understand why, again, maybe it's cause I'm trying to read this as a, a, a late seventies comic as this probably wouldn't be there as opposed to him. The same with the autism. He is bringing in more modern storytelling ideas and it's a little more mature, uh, in it. So I, it doesn't take out of it. I just, you know, it, it makes me uneasy reading it, and maybe that's the idea. It should make me uneasy reading it, and so it's doing what it's supposed to do. So, yeah. Okay. Getting, a small getting, comment. Yeah. On this page, on page eleven, where they open up the door and she stands revealed. Um, not to be too mature about this, but does she have two different sized breasts? It's just the angle, I think. Okay. No big deal. Let's keep on. Yep. Yep. <laughs> so on the the next page, we see the Blackbird touching down in Annadale on Hudson. That's um, there's a street that the Greys live on. Um, so you know, of course, the neighbors I think are probably all going to be standing out looking at this, wondering what the heck's going on. But then again, they've had battles, you know, super galactic battles outside their window before, haven't they? When mm-hmm. uh, when Dark Phoenix and uh, and Professor X had their nice battle. But beyond that, this is kind of a, a mundane page of uh, Ms. Gray basically telling the X-Men that, you know, they're the reason everything is going bad. Um, but, you know, Cyclops is saying that, you know, Professor X will find a way to restore her mind. And then, of course, uh, Wolverine points out, you know, hey, I know my ears are sharper than yours, but surely even you can hear that. And the Sentinels come crashing in in a beautiful full-page splash on page 13. That is a great shot. That's a um, I can just imagine how great this would look inked and, and colored. But um, to, <laughs> to, to Kurt's point, they're, they're, these sentinels are not subtle at all. They don't they 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 like a big grand entrance, so they're they're going to smash something. Uh, However, this is really interesting that it comes in saying surrender, Green Jean Grey. So it's coming in with the intention of getting her because mm-hmm. they they figure that she's there. But it's mm-hmm. not scanning or anything. It just comes in and whoops, X Men are here, and it's going to have to react. But yeah, so I mean, it's, it's just part of some plan. But the Sentinels aren't, you know, doing any active scanning or anything that we've seen them do in the past. So well, does it mention in the at the very beginning of this? Let me flip back to my my PDF here. Does it say when it's going after Ashley and her mom? Does it say? Yeah, it says scanning uncoded mutant Ashley Martin. So it was, it, it was either programmed to collect any mutant or specific mutants, but it almost seems like it, it, 
it was scanning it located her but to your point uh brian it doesn't it just goes directly it's almost like they gave the sentinel address hey this is where gene gray lives go pick her up yeah uh, but maybe it's because she is already an established mutant they figured they had to scan for it um it's reverse pizza delivery and the gps yeah. <laughs> is working that's that's all that matters at this point yeah, then the next page we get a little more um uh talk about you know she, all she's worried about is her house yeah. <laughs> my house my house yeah and as cyclops um, of course is trying to blast it you know you know the one thing i'll say about this and and going back to prototype is that in the past, whenever Byrne has utilized a force field on something to protect it, he made that force field rather visible. And in all of X-Men elsewhere, he's not making the force field visible. It's just everybody's mentioning it, but you can't see that that's what he's hitting. Maybe it was up to the anchor to... It may be. I wonder if that was up to it. Uh, uh, and you notice he's given these Sentinels a little bit of a personality, because most of them have been a little more... In the past, they were just... They weren't for conversation. They were like, hey, I'm here to, you know, I'm here to pick you up or whatever. They were kind of cut and dry. And this one, uh, you know, Wolverine says there's got to be a way to break through. And the Sentinel says there is not, you know, he's kind of kind of has a comeback. So, again, that's showing that these are guys are a little. So, again, maybe there is. I know it's established that Shaw is. I mean, I guess is he showing that when he's got the headset on, is he controlling Master Mold, who is then controlling all of the Sentinels? Or is he controlling? He's obviously not You'll controlling every individual as get, sentinel. As we get further into this, how Shaw's control is working. Yeah. Um, but I think that you know he's got um, like summary control of these guys. But basically, it's just like being in a video game and calling your NPC fire team to go right. attack. Right. Exactly. Right. And they have specific orders to collect. Um, I guess collect, and they're not. What's funny is they are not trying to collect any of the X Men. They're just defending themselves. But they're not. Uh, but maybe it's it's kind of like uh, 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 the Star Trek episode where uh, uh, what's her name is only after a specific person and she can't harm anybody else. Yeah, I yeah. for you. Yeah. Yeah. And of course, the, the the interesting panel is Wolverine looking up and seeing more of them. But are they blasting off and leaving, or are they coming down? I think like they're. That? I think they're arriving. Yeah, they yeah. should be uh, arriving like that. And then, of course, the bottom panel, which the bottom panel and the way Burns been doing his foreshadowing and everything really actually kind of threw me a little bit because, you know, the, the grays are running to him saying, thank God, the police, you got to stop that thing before it destroys my house. My house. <laughs> and the cop goes, yeah. just get clear, folks, we'll take care of this, which I, I thought that that was that was going to be some dubious remark like, yeah, we're here to take care of this and kill every mutie we can or something along those lines. I didn't think it was actually a cop saying that we're we'll take care of this, you know. No, it seems, and they're not. A, they don't seem like they're a special unit. They're no, not no. something that deals with superhero problems. It's uh, it's just that the way I've been reading comic books for years, that's how I read it because that's what how comic books typically yeah, I, read. I thought it was Shaw's folks. I yeah. thought it was not necessarily good cops. I wasn't right. sure. Yeah, but, but then it's the next pretty page, clear at the bottom of the next page. Yeah. Yeah. But God, that next page is beautiful. Cyclops blasting that sentinel across the chest as it's smashing out of the house, and the cops and, and these are like burn burn trooper cops. You know, they got the vest and stuff on, and all sorts of accoutrement. So they're like SWAT almost. 
So they, they somehow within the few moments it took them to get there, they knew to come, you know, loaded for bear. But you notice Bird has drawn, and this is again this little nitpick. Bottom panel with the cop show up. He's drawn. He's looked like he's drawn the. Normally, if this was in seventy six, seventy seven, seventy five, they would show up in either like a, a SWAT type paddy wagon or cop cars. They are showing up in SUVs. Yeah, because that's what that's what would happen today. Yeah. Yep. Yep. But that the the next page is the middle panel. Is that that screams Neil Adams all over it, doesn't it? Yeah. Or is that just I like that. Yeah. yeah. And then the cops start shooting on it. Big noise, shiny. <laughs> but I know sentinels don't attack humans. And whoop, he found out he was wrong. And that reminds me a little bit of Franklin Richards in uh, Days of Future Past. Yeah. Yeah. There's a there's a, there's a lot of um, uh, homages to that. Is it common knowledge at this point that sentinels do not attack non mutants? Yeah. I mean, would these cops know this? Yeah, I mean that's that's yeah, I mean that's what that cop says. But I know Sentinels don't attack humans, and we hear it from other characters <laughs> later on. Uh, you know, they they think yeah, they're not going to attack me because I'm not a mutant. And whoops, you know, big surprise. Yep, that's kind of grisly. The cop getting kind of um, scragged. Scrag- and that's that. That's the sound effect too. <laughs> Scrack. Yeah. yeah. But the, and, and, the, uh, the cops sound yak. And, and the, the word balloon is not quite big enough big to contain enough. it. It's, not... it's like a uh, the, both of them are a copy and paste on top of each other, on top of the the, the image. Yeah, he just didn't do the his word balloon big enough. But uh, and well, then, I like it. yeah, no, it's cool because I mean it it's, it does add to the visceral feeling of that of him just getting scragged. Well, it, it makes you feel that almost like it's getting cut off because he wouldn't really have he wouldn't have long to say anything before he's easy uh, being fried or disintegrated or whatever yeah whatever he's being is you know i love the kirby crack around it too and then the next page that's just a gorgeous shot of master mold oh god i love the i love the low angle Beautiful. and i love the i love shaw's face in the bottom when uh, uh guy rich is yelling at him and he's like yeah i'm not gonna do you know <laughs> i'm gonna do what i want to do um guy rich uh, has a different appearance to him the way Byrne is drawing him is i mean and because he's got him in in an almost shield type outfit mm-hmm. um, yeah because normally we're accustomed to seeing him in an ugly green tweed suit um <laughs> they, that because he's in that he just he looks so different I, i'm just too accustomed to seeing him in a suit and tie and it, there's that sentinel and he, the the master mold and again he's holding on to those gymnastic rings whatever they are that's Where just you've seen him hold on to those rings. You, this is the yeah. second time you've commented on that. Yeah, because that's what it makes me think of every time I see him. It's like. So I mean, where else has he done this? That uh, he's hung the ring. I think that uh, Neil Adams did that back in the day. I don't have to go back and and, and reread all the uh, Adams Roy Thomas X Men. I mean, What's well, funny because to me, six of them. To me, that seems very uh, uh, Kirby too. That seems like oh, something like Kirby it. would draw. Yeah. Yeah. And it also seems very Galactus. You know, ever Burma draw mm-hmm. Galactus in his ship, and he's always got his hands on, you know, all that tech he's got around him. That's what that feels like to me, too. I'll go look for it later. And it's just a, such a... Uh, one, I love Master Mo. looks like he's looking down at him, like he's kind of listening into what's going on. Yeah. Uh, and then I love uh, Shaw's, uh, you know, <clears throat> uh, his... Uh, 
his expression at the bottom. He's got such a kind of a twisted evil kind of uh, uh, his Robert Shaw look down the bottom when he's putting the helmet on. Yeah, and he's already gone over the point of blowing the engine. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but you, you get back to there, and you see the Sentinels are just going full flamethrower. Uh, on the area around them, and they're gonna—they're supposed to disable the X-Men's vehicle, commence the sweep of the region, terminate all life forms within three-mile radius, all life forms. And cops are still getting scragged right in front of them. I wonder how that panel, which is, I think it's a great panel with the one cop getting incinerated, and the rest of them are just kind of freaking out. Yeah. How would that be? That's just line drawn. How would that? Would they go to ink that? You think those are just? The flames are going to be yellow or red, and those are just going to be uh, line drawn, and they'd be the same color. I'm just kind of wondering how that would be colored if this was actually published, how that would look. It would look hot. <laughs> I think that's the idea. Yeah, it's supposed yeah. to look kind of like this in silhouettes. And then you get a great shot of Wolverine just, just the, with him gritting his teeth and all that black in there that would be when they would go to ink that. When I mean, he's yeah. talking about reinforcements. Yeah, and of course that being the Avengers Quinjet, uh, and we get to the next page, and it's not the Avengers, <laughs> <laughs> but it is a beautiful page nonetheless. Storm, just uh, oh, that's uh, I thought that was the Avengers. That's actually Colossus and Storm on the yeah, coming out of it. And uh, uh, Storms, yeah. Go ahead. No, go ahead. Well, I'll just say, <laughs> go ahead. No, no, I'm, I'm not talking now. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, they do a little bit in these issues, but they've always done it with Storm. Uh, we're talking about the uh, the powers for um, um, uh, Storm's powers are always a little undefined in that she can do whatever she needs to do in the moment to solve the problem. But when she was uh, earlier, when she was uh, in the uh, in the uh, the shuttle coming back down to Earth, and it was, and he's like, oh, I can't, you know, she said something about I can't. This is something a little beyond me. It's like, well, she she controls the weather, but she doesn't control. They sometimes they establish that she can just like generate lightning. It's like, well, okay, but you can't just generate lightning. I think you'd have to have a storm that maybe then she can focus the lightning. And they seem like they asked once that she could control the flames. Like, well. Sometimes they act, they act like more. She has more elemental powers than just weather powers. Hmm. Or is that just me? I don't know. I mean, yeah, I've seen where they've had her bring lightning down from the sky to hit something, and then I've seen her have lightning bolts come out of her hands, which I, right. I, I've hated. I hate to see that. But again, you know, it, it is. You know, you've got to make it for whatever you're going to, you know, whatever you're going to work with. Um, right. Well, like, and I'll, I hate to reference the the last X Men movie, but uh, which we've already covered. But yeah. in that very first <clears throat> early scene when she's they're going up against the shuttle and they've got I think they've got holes and Jean says Storm seal the the holes in the shuttle or something and she freezes them over. It's like, well, that's not how her power works. I think in space she wouldn't have any power because there's no weather in space. Okay. Okay. Yeah. No, that's a good point. No, I'm just I'm, maybe I'm being too much of an. Uh, but here she's teacher. bringing down a hurricane, a concentrated hurricane on right. the Sentinels, and that is enough to confound their sensors 
And I love that because I, you know, it's like I hate the idea that the Sentinels are always able to come up with some counter to every mutant power. And here's just, you know, I don't want to say it's the simplest form of her power, but it is one of the most overt forms of her power. And they've really got no way to, you know, beat it without taking her out. Yeah. The the other thing I'll say is in the top, you know, thing when you see Storm and Colossus in that that vehicle, and I'm not sure which vehicle that is. But it reminds me of Burns done it in Marvel Team Up, and he's done it in Champions, where you see the X-Men or the Champions or whoever in one of those flying vehicles doing a, a profile shot of them coming across something large, like we saw him with Giant Man uh, or Black Giant Man or Black Goliath. I don't remember what they called Bill Foster back then mm-hmm. at the time in Defenders and or Champions. And uh, I just remember it was with the X-Men in uh, Marvel Team. Of course, in that, uh, Dave Cockrum redrew the faces. But here, you don't, he doesn't have to do that, especially the storm image there of her, just her eyes and all that reminds me of Cockrum. Mm-hmm. That's a great shot of them, kind of with the deluge coming down. They all look kind of a little confused. Yeah, I very, love it. I love the Kirby look of that one with the arm outstretched on the, the right side of the panel. And it just makes me think of, like, the first time we saw the Sentinels back in, was it issue 13? But, again, that's just me. It's 14, 15, 16. Yeah, there you go. And then on page 19, we see Shaw telling Sentinels, withdraw, initiate phase two. And the Sentinels all just take off. And, again, Cyclops, again, is, is bringing up the idea that if they fight more, they're going to wreck more of the neighborhood. That's kind of a continuing theme of, yeah. like... How much think, collateral damage are we going to have? I think that picture of Shaw wearing the helmet in the upper left, that's very much a Neil Adams yeah. taken from about uh, 57 years mm-hmm. ago when it's Trask Jr. wearing it. Although we don't know at the time that it's Trask Jr. Yeah. I really like it, though. It's That's a great image that Burns got there. Yeah, this this whole page, I mean, I, I, again, you know, anytime you see the Sentinels, it's it's beauty. Uh, the thing down at the bottom of the cop asking what's going on, I thought they just killed mutants, which that, it's almost like he's saying that'd be fine with me, except two <laughs> of my guys got killed too. And um, then, you know, Cyclops turns his head, and then on the final page, we see new Sentinels coming in. Or what, you know, the thing is, when I first saw this, I wasn't sure if they were Sentinels or if they, they uh, he says these are Sentinels you don't dare fight. I thought they made me think more of Mandroids. Yes, that's they what I thought look, they yeah, were. They look a little bit like that. They look a little... I, I got a little bit of a Nimrod vibe, too, more of an advanced. <clears throat> but yeah, the, the Hellfire Club or the Mandroid look of those guys with that kind of big dome, that big but dome you know, helmet it, that Burnham was a draw. It makes sense, though, because you know we saw that Shaw used the Mandroids before to attack the X-Men, or uh, a Mandroid-type armor, mm-hmm. uh, in, in uh, the first issue where we saw Kitty Pride. And so the malt so, shop, they're attacking him in the malt shop. Yeah. That's what I was thinking. Yeah. and But, you know, of course, there was a lot of discussion about what color these guys would be. And, uh, like, the guy that one of the guys that's coloring and putting out on a, on the burn victims page uh, did them in a kind of a, almost a pink, pinkish purple or mauve type color. Um, but burn actually said they're a pearl gray. Hmm. Well, if they were a prototype, maybe they might be gray. I would think either gold or maybe to to your point the, the kind of pinkish uh, color of the of the Hellfire guys. 
Um, but I would think gold would look good. But gray, gray would, wouldn't necessarily pop off the page. But yeah. I was thinking gold and black with gold black and black accents. Black would be great. Yeah, now yeah, the, that would look sharp. The, the top part that's shadowed, it, what is that supposed to be clear or is that supposed to be something else? That, it's like smoked. It's, it's like a smoked uh, reflective glass or something. Yeah, something like that. It's like a like you a can't see who's inside. Acrylic. Right. Okay, that's cool. And then of course the maniacal shot at the very end, and he's talking <laughs> yeah. through the he's talking through the new Sentinel. So he he's can, kind of he, face, he's, he's facetiming him. Yeah. Yeah. Ah, so that's oh, cool. um, that's issue seven. And if you download it off the the Burn Victims uh, files page, it actually comes with the cover that's taken from one of the images in there. And it's got uh, Storm and Cyclops and Colossus uh, floating loose in space. But they they put in the little corner thing that's got the X-Men's heads. Uh, Yeah, that's what's nice about these. And that's where I got my Elsewhere logo. Somebody created that. Um, Yeah. And they got a 30-cent... uh, price mark on there. I guess that's. Uh, Where did you find this? Uh, if you go to the Burn Victims Facebook group, in the file okay. section, they've collected all of them in CBR and PDF format. And okay. uh, another guy has saved a full script for his Alpha Flight issue twenty nine, picking up where Burn left off and not going in any of the directions that Bill Mantlo went. Okay. Uh, yeah, I, I haven't looked at it. I downloaded, but I haven't looked at it yet. Do we want to take a break here? Yeah, well, just let's go ahead and give our our last final thoughts on this one before we move to the next one, and we'll take a break, do a promo, and uh, come back. But, uh, Tim, did you have any thoughts going into this one? Uh, You're much more Uh, fresh on it than we are, so. I I liked it. I uh, When I was, like I said, I kind of read these, I kind of binged them all, and I was, the first kind of two issues of this series, the... Especially that is it the second whatever father and son what is the second is that the second issue or the third issue that storyline I thought was just out of place like what is this doing here it seemed like it would kind of they put, took a break in between these these storylines um, so I didn't really pick it like that that story but other than this this is pretty cool it's it's got some great artwork the, the writing's uh, the writing is strong it's not uh, I, I agree with you Brian I think he does need an editor to kind of just polish some of this stuff i think his i found his some of his transitions and it's it's not the transitions themselves but it's the wording of his it's his uh um his uh vo- almost like burns voiceover when he's talking to the reader like well now we're gonna go here now we're gonna go there i thought some of those transitions were a little odd and it had to do with more of the writing uh than uh, the the writing the dialogue i think is is good some of his his voiceover writing, I thought, was a little. Uh, the prose was a little flowery. It was a little. It didn't. I wanted it to be a little more kind of cut and dry, and it seemed a little more. Um, uh, I'm, I'm having a hard, terrible time expressing myself, but it seemed a little more fancier than it needed to be. I thought, but and that was just based on the kind of stories that these are kind of based on, and, and reading some of his other stuff. So. Um, but on a whole, I, I enjoy these quite a bit. I'm, I'm looking forward to um, where this is going to go. Now that I'm kind of now that I'm caught up, you guys have already read all these. But now that I'm caught up, I'm interested to see where he's taking this. Yeah, I'm, I'm I'm you know looking forward to Monday just so I can see the next page of issue ten. 
And you know, just is, each day as you, as you sit there, you go to the site and you you, you click and refresh. Okay, is he going to drop it now? Is he going to drop it now? Is he going to drop it now? <laughs> are you so, reading him that way? Are you reading him kind of page by page, or do you wait till the whole I, thing's out? I am. I can't. I can't. Knowing that it's out there, I can't wait to read it. And the thing is, the way he's been doing it is that each page, you know, encapsulates something and. It's you know always possible that in, in in most cases that each page is a is a cliffhanger for the next page or you know another storyline and so I mean the the storytelling in this is in such a way that you can read it as a full issue or you can read it a page at a time and you're not you know I mean obviously you want more it's not one of those things that makes you go yeah I'm gonna put this down. So, I mean, either way is, is, is an okay way to read it, I think. Uh, there's going to yeah. be some people that are going to go, no, I'd rather wait until the whole thing's available so I can sit down and read it in one sitting rather than checking it every day. I'm just not that guy. What about you, Kirk? Oh. Well, I've been I've been reading them as they've been collected. I'm on Burn Robotics as we're covering this right now. And I've gone up to the point where, you know, the next page is due tomorrow but I'm going to be busy at work, so I won't have time to, to go look at it. I'll wait till it's collected. And when we get to that issue, you know, that's when I'll, I'll deal with it. But I understand the temptation to, to check, keep checking, keep checking. I'm coming into this a little late in the, the game here, so I'm fortunate because I've got entire issues that are available to me to go through in one setting. So um, I went through all the last four or five issues late last night. To make sure I was up to speed, so I could be, uh, you know, up to speed and talking with you today, yeah. and it's gorgeous. I mean, it's beautiful work, and as I've said before, I wish that he would come to terms with Marvel and that they start publishing them. Because in my view, this is what would save the industry. This is what would save Marvel if they could come to an agreement and they start putting these things out after the the uh, the virus uh, uh, self quarantine is lifted. Uh, man, <laughs> except. You tell me that's not possible, but in my view, and, and, and I, I don't think it could save the industry. And it's not because, um, well, I, I mean, the thing is, is that if these were put out in the stores right now as brand new books, they might sell forty thousand copies. Mm-hmm. The faithful forty thousand. Yeah, mm-hmm. whatever it is, it's forty thousand or thirty thousand. Some of us are dying off. Some of us have just walked away. And, mm-hmm. you know, the the thing is, is that, you know, the industry as it is, number one, has created its own self-fulfilling prophecy of falling apart in that that it's the direct sales market going directly to the comic book shops. Kids between the ages of 8 and 12 don't go to comic book shops unless their parents think to bring them there. They don't ask, right. hey, let's go to the comic book shop. Right. You know, um, they go with their parents where their parents go. So they go with their parents to the grocery stores and drug stores. If they made comic books available in those venues, they'd probably have a market for it. Unfortunately, your impulse buy spots where they would need to be are very hard to get any new products into these days. They got Archie there, but that's it. Archie sells. Archie sells off the shelves there at the grocery stores. Why couldn't it survive the same way books are – I mean, yeah, bookstores – or or uh, dwindling, you know, other than Barnes and Noble, I think that's the only bookstore. Like Books a Million, I think is still around. But it, the 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 published work is not is not disappeared. So why couldn't comics? Yeah, the comic shop might 
die out. But why couldn't through uh, digital services and through uh, uh, discount comic book service where I used to get my stuff, why can't you buy them through those venues or just buy them digitally if you don't want to actually own them? Well, uh, again, you're, you're, you're talking about a diminishing market regardless. The, right. the thing is, is that what you're talking about is, and, and many people have said this, they were talking about this on Back to the Bins last week, where you know books are selling, you know, that, that people are buying books right now, and they seem to sell at enough that we can keep the market going. With the coronavirus lockdown, that's killed everything. And it's going to be hard for a lot of the independent stuff to come back from it. The big guys will always be able to publish something. And the reason why we're still using paper books is not just because somebody wants a tactile feeling of holding a comic book in their hand, but it's because there's that little bit of hope that this is that one book that's going to be worth something down the road. Right. Does that you know? still prevail? I mean, does that really still as a... Why uh, do you think they put out so many number ones? They still yep. do that. Why do you think they reboot? They're trying but to, I, you know. But to me, I thought the idea of, of variant covers was to, because if you've got a comic shop, you're, you know, this is the way I thought it worked. Yeah. You know, if hey, if you want this this uh, this limited edition, you know, variant cover, you got to order a hundred of these books or two hundred, whatever. So I guess the comic shop to order more to get the one comic that it can then jack up and sell to the collector that wants to buy that rare book. Right. So right. it's it's kind of it's it's kind of getting them to buy more books than they need, right? To get the one book that they can try to make money off of because they're not making right. money off the other ones. So, but it's, that still says that there's a speculator market out there that they can milk, and that's why. We well, and they are. I mean, there yeah. there are. That's why you see so many books are like. Uh, you see, this this is a. It's nothing special about this book, but hey, it's a nine point nine. Uh, and on whatever scale that is, so it's instantly worth a hundred bucks just because it's in pristine condition. Well, there's, I guess there's somebody out there buying, paying for that. Somebody's buying that. Um, but do we? I mean, does the comic industry need to? Does it looks like they they seem like they're constantly chasing new readers? Does it need to and give that up? To. How are they chasing new readers? So they're they're not they're not but, doing anything to grab those in. kids starting as kids. They're not, yeah. but that's what they're always talking about. They're right. always talking about we got to get new readers, we got to reboot, we got to get but, new readers. Bring because you know, the yeah. audience turns over every three years. That's the premise they're operating under. But it doesn't, and that's the thing. The, the largest group of the audience is in the forty to seventy range right now. Right, and they're Which means alienating they have, them, so they're starting to fall away. Right. The, the, young, the young kids, the, the way that you get them is you make cheap, easy access materials out there. Like if they started selling these True Believers $1 books at the at Walmart, at Target, at the, the grocery stores and at the drugstore, CVS, Walgreens and places like that in spinner racks, they'd probably be able to attract in new readers and the, 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 the true believers would be the best example of the ones they could use because they're a dollar a copy. You try to put a $5 comic book at the, the impulse buy section, and a parent is going to think about that twice before getting it. A $1 book? Nah, no problem. That'll keep the kid quiet. Yeah, I think I've uh, taken us down a tangent again, and I'm sorry, guys. No, no, that's, that's, that's all right. I mean, the thing is... Brian and I have talked about this forever, but it's, you know... Yeah, and, and, and the thing is, it's always good to get, you know, someone else's, you know, input in there, and I know I keep talking over everybody, and I need to shut up, but, you know, it is what it is. 
like you said, we should go ahead and take a, a quick break here, and uh, we'll come back and try to quickly go through issue eight. Okay, sounds right. good. We'll be back in a few. Did you miss me? Just here to tell you that the Management Podcast is returning soon with new episodes, weekly episodes. With Super Friends and the Christopher Reeve movies behind me, we head into the late 1980s with Ruby Spear Super Faster than a speeding bullet. More powerful than a locomotive. Able to leap tall buildings in a single bound. Intercut with episodes of Superboy. That's right, Ruby's Bear Superman and the Adventures of Superboy. Coming soon to the Manscreen Podcast at www.com. And we're back. I hope uh, everybody enjoyed that promo we just played. Uh, and we're going to now continue with uh, issue eight of Burns Elswin Project. Um, this picks up uh, exactly where the other one left off. This uh, this issue is called In Darkest Suburbia. Uh, and it take it, we pick up with the X-Men being attacked by these three uh I don't know if we were going to call them Mark IVs or whatever. There's three new Sentinels that showed up at the uh, end of the other issue. Uh, and Byrne was, uh, you know, not Byrne, Bashaw was uh, uh, was taunting that uh, the X-Men don't dare these. So we don't know now exactly what's different about the other than the design. They're a little more sleek. They're a little more uh, high-tech looking. Uh, but what's different about these, uh, these Sentinels as opposed to the other ones we've been fighting? So uh, let's find out. Uh, we open with a a great page of uh, it's a splash page. I'm assuming it's the first page because the CBR reading is also the cover, but I think it's the first page yeah. of Colossus is being blown back, and it's a great. He's just kind of coming right at the reader. He's got a great shot of the a Sentinel looking using what looks like magnetic powers to kind of blast him, and in the background you see Cyclops attacking one of them, and Wolverine is also trying to. Uh, get to the force field that's been established that these also have um, same kind of field on them. Um, and then we get a great uh, page. We get a great two-page splash with the title of the, of the thing and uh, kind of a montage of all the X-Men attacking them. Uh, it's just, I mean, it's just a beautiful page. If Cyclops is, is kind of blasting the back of one of them, Wolverine is still trying to get through the force fields. Um yeah, and, and I mean, just the, the all the suburbia, the detail of the suburbia in the background, and then you see the overturned vehicle on its side. Yeah, and this is right in front of uh, the Gray's house, which is uh, Annadale and Annadale and Hudson. Uh, we get a nice little clung as I guess Colossus is falling back on his butt, and <laughs> uh, and. Uh, Cyclops is trying to kind of coordinate, and, he, and he's you know giving us a little information that these Sentinels are a radical new design, uh, but we're going to find a way to beat them. So he's continuing to blast away. Uh, Storm is uh, uh, flying overhead, and um, I, li- I like that panel there of Storm flying overhead because you look down and you can see where the Sentinels 
looks like the Sentinels had started their little scorched earth campaign. Mm-hmm. Uh, you don't get yeah, that, that from, from the scene around Cyclops and Wolverine. I mean, you can tell that there's been battle going on, but it doesn't look like anything there's caught it, on. No, it doesn't. It doesn't look at all like they, because uh, in a previous uh, issue, it looked like they just had a wall of flame that was engulfing everything. And it really, other than the overturned car, you don't see a lot of damage. None of the houses seem to be damaged. Uh, the cops are all kind of keeping people back, and they're uh, you kind of evacuating. It looks like the grays out of the area. Um, and again, uh, Jean's mother is concerned about the uh, houses being destroyed. <laughs> Um. Uh, and and and, and uh, um, Storm mentions that uh, that the voice. So get to your point, we were talking about earlier. The, the I guess Shaw is talking through these new Sentinel um, bodies. That uh, and Storm mentions that you know he said they dare not um, they dare not attack him. Uh, then we go to our next page, which is a little more detail, and you get a little more. Yeah, you get more. Um, it's more the grays going to the house. That is that's now a pile of rubble, and uh, they're trying to find some pictures. They find a picture of her or with Jean, which I guess she's a child, and she's just kind of you know collapsed about the fact that the house is being destroyed and that um, and the, um, where they hear that. Um, they, they need to get out of the area because they're getting too close to the battle. And then they hear a noise, and that's here's your Quinjet yeah. come in. Well, you know, I think when Byrne did that before, he did it as a tease because he had put this page out um, over a year ago, the one with the Avengers. And, and interestingly enough, if you saw the initial version of it, you could see the Wasp actually flying around inside the Quinjet. Um, Did he remove that? or He removed the Wasp. As she's not part of the story at all. And, I mean, the other the other page, you when that, uh, what the vehicle that, that, that Colossus and Storm were in, as it, it was coming down, it looked like a Quinjet from the angle that we saw it. Now, obviously, it wasn't a Quinjet. Mm-hmm. So, and I think Byrne, you know, it was like, did that to, you know, tease that to, uh, mm-hmm. to, to fake us out. Because it, it faked me out right there, because I didn't remember... Oh no, they they had this coming in there, but you know, um, that's that was a pleasant surprise. Well, I love how he's drawn the Quinjet coming in, kind of uh, sideways, uh, and that's to help fit it into the panel. Mm-hmm. But it also gives it a little more dynamic of the way they're coming in, so that the vision can kind of pop out the bottom. Yeah, and you can see Iron Man and Wonder Man. But I, I see the thing is, I think it's just it's perpendicular to the ground. I think it's just the angle he's giving us for it is is sideways so you think they're I, supposed I, to be flying well i'm not sure now because i mean the way look, at the, bo- look at the ground man, you would think that iron man and wonder man would be turned the other way di- differently yeah they'd be they'd be yeah. uh down to their left a little bit you know they'd be turned on their left side a little bit well he says they're swinging it low so maybe that's because they're kind of banking as they come in yeah but the detail on this, like Cyclops in that second panel, he's just down there on the ground below Storm, and there's no mistaking that that is Cyclops. No, no. But I'm not sure who well, it is that's saying the Avengers. Is that a, a normal person, one of the Greys, or because it's definitely not Colossus? It's somebody by the, it's somebody by the car, so it's either a cop or it's somebody else. Yeah, it's the female cop. Okay. Yeah. The one who said Lou, the one that looked up and said, "Uh oh, more." 
And that one sentinel is still using, looks like magnetic power on Colossus in the first panel. I missed that earlier. Yeah. And that's, and of course, this is the first hint that when it, it teleports and you get that, you know, all too familiar bamf, you know that, hey, that's, it's something going on. Uh, and this first time Cyclops says, well, then no, that's exactly like Nightcrawler. So we don't know now if it's either mimicking mutant powers or and I, I got a the next page where he's getting blasted to the ground by the sentinel with a boom. Yeah. I'm assuming that can't mistake that power there. Right. But again it's a nitpicky. Haven't they established that these two guys are their powers are immune because they're brothers, their powers don't work on each other? Well, I think the the thing there is he's saying that the power level of that sentinel it's multiplied multi- multiplied and i mean it's not going to tear him apart like it's going to tear apart another person but still the sheer force of it's going to hit him yeah that's true and then we got peace grabs him but you know cyclops is the one that we need to be talking to and he looks like he's out for the count right now and just as beast comes around there i i almost expected the beast to say oh my stars and garters does that, <laughs> yep. does that, that does sound like somebody would say and the Sentinel, of course, calls him by name, so obviously we know Shaw's controlling that one. Not so fast, McCoy. The only way you're leaving here is in a cage. So he still wants to capture them and not kill them. And yet he's killing humans. So you're assuming that when Scott says that voice, that that is Shaw's voice coming out of the Sentinel and yeah, not whoever's actually in it? Okay, that's what I thought. But I don't know if he didn't seem to recognize the voice... When it first said that, it needed to storm, but here he seems to recognize that's Shaw's voice. Well, he's heard it twice now. Yeah. And then the next page we see a shield slamming against the Sentinel with a batang. <laughs> and Cap catching the shield and telling the Avengers to spread out. Wonder Man, of course, comes up against the force field, and yet Colossus is like, hey, we can rip the arms off. <laughs> Which I thought was thought that was odd, but um And then Cyclops of course realizing, oh crap. Yeah, don't uh <laughs> Yeah, don't he's the only them. one. And he tells everybody to stand down. How do you stand down when you're being attacked? Uh it's Because uh... doesn't stand down mean stop fighting altogether? Yeah, yeah, it means it's because uh, uh but you have to realize that, you know, I guess you don't know if he he knows what the, if he thinks, I don't know at this point if he thinks that his, uh, the X-Men are inside these things, with their suits, or if they're being somehow controlled by him, uh, so that, I don't know, if one man rips its arm off, that's going to affect the person that's uh, controlling it. But, yeah. of course, like Beast thinks he's <laughs> just yeah, that, been hit. <laughs> that shot of uh, Iron Man in the back blasting the one symbol behind Captain America. Oh, he's blasting it, kind of blasting it in the face? Yeah. But his repulsor rays in it? It's weird because as you look at that sentinel, you can almost see a face. Like he's hitting it between the eyes, and there's an open mouth and nose below that. Or is that just me? That's I you. Think that's just you, yeah. I don't. Because uh, there's really no face to it. I, I know. It's, it's just it's that not, bubble. It's not supposed to be. It's just the incidental <laughs> positioning of the the effects in there. It's Modoc. Yeah. <laughs> and I love the rup. Sound, uh, or I guess that's rip 
Rip. Those are, those are eyes, yeah. Okay, so that's Rip when Colossus yanks the arm off. Well, at least we're not seeing anything bloody and dripping. I'm glad glad for that. <laughs> uh, yeah, there's those, and just those sparks. You think there'd be lots of sparks, but... Uh, and the, the, the next page, Cyclops on the bottom nose, freaking gorgeous. But oh, when he's, uh, when he's when he's yeah, when he's uh, he's telling the stand down. I like the, the the next page. I love that shot of Beast kind of grinding his head into the ground, like you know, he thinks he's crazy. He's like, you know, what are you doing? Why are you attacking Wonder Man? You know, he doesn't realize what Scott thinks, and he's and he's kind of pushing his head into the ground. <laughs> and then that scene in the bottom with the shadow of the Sentinel coming around. For once, it's sneaking up. It's not smashing through the roof, the the house. It's actually sneaking up on them. Maybe they, they're learning. Like maybe for a little more quiet, we can sneak up on people and grab them. Um, <laughs> Stealth sentinels. And yeah. where, did th- where did this sentinel come from, though? Because the thing is, all those other sentinels, like that one, were told to retreat. And then this one comes in. Well, and this is odd too. Cause, well, it. it, it like maybe these guys circle back around because they're they're still after Jean Grey That's and they the scan and, objective of all this in the first place. Yeah, and find out that they are that these are genetically a match that they're going to grab them and basically extort and say you know hey where you know <laughs> where's Jean Grey? I guess the the new Sentinels I guess are still to cap or or meant to capture, which to this point they haven't they've just been fighting the X-Men because the X-Men have been trying to def- stop them they have now these new Sentinels I guess are meant to subdue and capture uh, these mutants the the X-Men even though yeah. these, the other the other uh, Sentinels are actually still after Jean Grey yep and then we get back to Jean back to Jean and she's kind now, of now the thing is is that the Gene story is actually several hours in the future. What we're seeing here actually happens several hours later than what's happening with Scott and the, and the X-Men and the Avengers. And that's what he, what he puts in the little word word uh, piece there. A few hours oh, in the future. I, yeah, see, I didn't, I didn't notice that when I was reading it. I didn't, I didn't click that it was, it was in the future. So. And so my understanding that she's telekinetically pushing everybody away from her. That's what I got, that she was kind of thrown around. Right. But what I didn't understand was the, and she did before when she talked about in another issue that she dropped the, the milk bottle or something and said it went through her hand. Yeah. Uh, and then this guy tries to beat her in the head and she, you know, he passes right through her. So that's not necessarily a, a Phoenix power. It's not a Jean Grey power. So I was a little confused as to what. Um, and the only way that that she would have known he was going to do that is if she was reading his mind, because she didn't. Oh, she that, are, well, he did talk from behind, but you think she's doing this? On, I thought she could control it. I thought she. Um, I don't in know. The next panel down. In the next moment, she's pushing against the unyielding door, and two things happen. She pushes through it, shock and horror. She's not expecting to go through the door, and clearly her legs are halfway through it. So yeah. she's manifesting Kitty's uh, phasing power, or she's in a hologram, she's in a cage, and all of this is fake. Mm. Yeah, well, or it's in her mind. If it's... No, because if you look down the bottom right, at the bottom of the panel, you get the mechanical box that says surrender Jean Grey, meaning that mm-hmm. a few hours into the future, a sentinel is going to come to get her. Right. Right. <clears throat> but now we go back in time. 
And there's Wonder well, Man. What? Yeah, but no, I was just going to say to maybe to Kurt's point that maybe this is not. He's giving us hints that maybe this is not Jean Grey. Not really. Maybe it's a it's a construct, or maybe somehow is right. she is she. Um, I don't know. Maybe she's kind of an energy projection. Maybe it's just something that kind of the way they established that the, you know, in the original storyline that the, the Phoenix duplicated her and put the real Jean Grey in hibernation. So now I, I this have a theory is, on what's going on, but I'm not going to be able to release it until we get further into the story and, and some of the other plot points come to light. All right. Don't, uh, yeah, don't, yeah, uh, so I, I don't want to spoil it yeah, too quick. I don't want to spoil it. Yeah. Uh, to your point, back to the battle, uh, and and Storm is just now kind of starting to to uh, understand what Scott was saying that possibly uh, this is either um, and, and and I think Iron Man says it later. He says these are either the mutants, the Sentinels are mimicking mutant powers. Uh, but if Scott thought that, then I don't know you'd have a problem with destroying them. He must think that they are actually. So they're tied to him. Yeah. Um, well, since the the thing is, is that the one thing Scott had to have noticed, even though it's not mentioned here, is that each Sentinel displayed a different power. They didn't display multiple powers. No. Only one they of them had, is magnetic. Only one of them is teleporting. Right. And, in fact, these Sentinels are a little bit smaller. They're not quite as tall as the others, so they could be, as established later, there is actually somebody inside it. Yeah. That's a great shot of Iron Man getting thrown through someone's the uh, living room window. I don't understand it, though. If his armor isn't really metal, how is the blast able to affect it? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what his... I thought his armor was a type of... some oh, type yeah. of iron or something, but it's... Uh, at this point, at least, it was... Uh, but Magneto's often affected things that are not mag- or that are not metal, so he's doing some type of... Um, Electromagnetic wave. Something. Something. But this isn't Magneto. This is um, <clears throat> Polaris. True, but she would. If he could do the same thing, he could. Yeah. Hmm. He's the one that comes up. He's maybe there. These Sentinels are imitating mutant powers. On the next. And then the next. Shot of him in the rubble. I love that with him coming out. That, that's 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 nicely detailed. If only that water coming out of the pipe was hitting him in the face. <laughs> but no, that wouldn't do that. But at least Tony Stark will take care of the cost of the damage. Again, again, we again we talk about house damages. <laughs> Sometimes this, these issues feel almost like it's um, you know the old the old houses uh, fruit pie ads that Marvel yeah. would do. This is almost like an ad like that, but for house insurance or homeowners insurance. Or something. <laughs> can but, you get home uh, superhero battle insurance now? Uh, I'm sure you can, but that's expensive. <laughs> Now, what did it involve mutants? Because mutants is a completely different clause. That's right. <laughs> and then there's armored suits, robots, um, but you've also got uh, god damage, uh, deity damage. You know, yeah, you can imagine also you know, the the the, uh, the tables that they'd have to come up with for these things would be insane. Yeah, sure. act of god is the expression you're looking for. Deity, deity, but you know. <laughs> Because, I mean, there's all sorts of, there's the Norse gods, there's the Romans. Right, the, right. Yeah. Anyway. So Iron Man's getting him, uh, gets him out of danger. Um, and again, he makes a note that the Great House has been totally wrecked. Um, 
and then Wolverine decides that he's gonna try to, you know, save the folks until the kids start <laughs> until they the, give it away. Like the one start time yelling at he's him. going quiet too. I mean, yeah. <laughs> he didn't say, you know, "Hey, you tin potted whatever." Yeah. So one time he's trying to be quiet, and they start talking to him. Wolverine. Um, and we get a. In the next page, you get him coming up with a, uh, you know, with a, a tongue as he, I guess he's glancing off the, um, off the force field. And then we get the Sentinel blasting him, which is very reminiscent of Days of Future Past. I'm sure. Um, mm-hmm. doing that, and of course he gets stepped on, then he gets blasted. So. Uh, yeah, because it takes a, off again as it picks picks the great. Yeah, it's, it steps on him and then just taken off. Um, love, love that shot though. Shroom. That's a great. That's a great shot of him being kind of um, barbecued as it's taking off. You think the Sentinel would? Because didn't they do that in the one we covered the um, the the one Kurt said he has ordered the uh, Hulk annual when it, the Sentinels captured him and took him into space. Of course, they've taken him into space. Then they put them inside like their chest plate or something. Yeah. Yeah. I think you do that instead of just the stress of holding onto him as it takes off. But again, these are a different model of Sentinel. It's true. And because they don't carry they do damage. Apart at the at the Avengers Mansion didn't seem to have those open, you know, crevices. I, you know, it's all taken yep. there for I guess good countermeasures. And then we get to uh, we leave that Sentinel and we go to New York. Wait a minute, I'm getting ahead of myself. We go to New York where we see uh, a sub basement below. I guess that's the Hellfire Club. And we see uh, Shaw with his little uh, his uh, little control helmet on, and Guy Rich is still pleading with him. Uh, and yeah, he, and Guy Rich is telling him that, that he's no, he's not supposed to go up against the Avengers, but that doesn't matter. He's going after all the mutants. I keep Boy, this is for, a beautiful page. Yeah, and look at the detail. Yeah, I love Scarlet Witch's face. Um, as she's laying there down at the bottom. I mean, he's just been doing wonderful, wonderful work with the faces and all this. Look at the detail in the 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 house up in there. That's a small panel up in the corner. Just how much detail he's got into the the like we said, it's, it's a Hellfire Club. Um, and then I below think that house they, is an actual historical house there in New York. That's they think it's an actual house. Yeah, I think I think it'd have to be. Yeah, yeah. Well, he may have based that on uh, uh, on a natural building, but still, it, it doesn't look like he's doing. Uh, he may have looked at a, uh, the building, and, and he's not look like he's. But he's just for such a small, and even the cityscape below, behind it, you know, the, the other buildings, the street, people on the sidewalk. Uh, it's just with. Uh, you know the panel where where Guy Rich is kind of yelling at trash, where he's kind of in front of a kind of a floating screens or something. There's not a lot of detail there, but Shaw's face in the helmet, um, where he's kind of berating uh, uh, Guy Rich about you know what kind of victory he wanted, and then when he's taking the helmet off, and then to your point, uh, Scarlet Witch that for when she's in the, uh, the foreground, it's just it's just. To your point, Brian, you could just, you could almost just not even ink that, just uh, scan it and put it in as it is. Yep, and even Gyrich is afraid of him using her powers. Yeah. We and you're not seeing on this, I will say, 
<laughs> you're not seeing a lot of uh, uh, grids that he's gridded out. It's almost like he knew kind of exactly how he was going to draw this. It doesn't look like there's any sketchy lines. There's not a lot of uh, kind of guidelines. He's just drawn this. Of course, he's drawn these figures over and over, so he's probably used to it. But Yeah. Um, now, when you go to the... I mean, the, the, the thing is, the, the image of Shaw there, it makes me think of, um, of Metallo from the first issue of Superman that Byrne did. Over the eyeless eyes, yeah. Yeah, that, yeah. But yeah, it's just the eyes. The next page, of course, you see Storm trying to uh, cool Logan off, Wolverine off. <laughs> he points out this healing factor is not instantaneous, you know. It's like he still feels pain. Yep. And, you know, I think that, that John Byrne um, has a, a, a good amount of affection for the character of Wonder Man for some reason. Because I don't think any other writer has handle Wonder Man as well as he did. And, yeah, I mean, he always shows him... I mean, just the way he's handling him in, in this, seri this series here is just really awesome. But I, Wonder Man's always been one of my favorite favorite Marvel characters. Yeah, he doesn't get a lot of... Uh, he doesn't get a lot of uh, uh, kind of solo stories, does he? he uh... yeah. David McElhaney did some... He did have some series there, but again, you know, they weren't the, the best writers out there mm -hmm. handling them. Um, but when they did the Avengers, they, they brought the Avengers back, and George Perez was doing them, and Kurt Busiek was writing. He did uh, a, you know, a few good things following up on the work that Byrne had done. But they'd done the evolution of Wonder Man's power, as well as Goliath, and or it used to be um, Power Man became Goliath, mm -hmm. um, and Count Nefari and all that. You know, they... They've mutated them all beyond just being, you know, humanoid figures. You know, they're actual stellar energy or something at that point. Yeah, or he's like he's ionic energy or whatever. Yeah, ionic. It? Yeah, that's correct. Correct. So uh, Wonder Man's trying to save the Greys, and um, <laughs> he's even talking to you know Wolverine failed, but I'll bet I can make <laughs> you release you know make you release those people. Oh, there's a I can make you release of those people. I guess, okay. And the thing says, as you wish, and it's almost like a joke, and he drops the graves. Well, I think it shows that the the, the Sentinels are, are learning, at least at learning, because they used to have a little more of an established kind of AI, because it's, instead of, it, it knows, well, I've got to get this guy off me. I'm going to drop these people that's going to go after them, and then I'll be free to go back, and I'll, maybe I'll circle back around and, and uh, no three accomplish my mission some here. other way. <laughs> yeah, no three laws yeah. of robotics here. No. Kirk, you no, got anything to say on these? No. no. You don't like barbecue Wolverine? <laughs> well, I don't think we've ever seen anything quite like that until, uh, I don't know, a couple of decades ago now. Um, I don't remember the six-part series where Wolverine was literally fried by nitro or um, I, I, I don't remember the six part series but I don't think Byrne has ever drawn him burned in this detail before but he's really putting Wolverine through it yep all you think of like Ghostbusters when, he, when Dad Quake says oh it smells like barbecue dog hair <laughs> oh, oh, oh man, <laughs> I'm sorry <laughs> well our next uh, page where's that taking us we, 
Paul. We cut back to uh, to uh, the Shi'ar. We haven't really visited them since we've uh, at least not these two issues we've been covering. Uh, and I kind of want to know, but you guys covered this. I guess this happened in issue six. Yeah, where she was kind of. Uh, they interrupted we her, done? and she apparently lost control of whatever it is she was trying to do. And so here they've got her in her uh, bed chambers as everybody's trying to consult on what to do with her, apparently. And uh, they think she's dying. Uh, but oh, when no. was? <clears throat> yeah, I love that bottom that bottom shot of her face where she's uh, feel like she's losing control. Uh, it's just great. I can just imagine how. Um, and I love Gladiator in the uh, in the, the panel above. When was it established? His name is Calark. Uh, Cal- yeah, I think it was um, very early on. But yeah, I mean, it's was just, it? uh, I'm sure they they have his last name is K apostrophe N T. Yeah, uh, <laughs> something like that. But yeah, I mean, in, anything to point out the Superman tie in there yeah obviously and the kind of uh, i think the mohawk's got to come from um uh, uh no uh the other book he did we covered it um omac oh okay well i mean the thing i mean gladiator was around with the imperial guard when dave cockrum created him true and um, yeah. were they a dc analog at that point they're an analog of the of the Legion of Superheroes. So if you okay. look at like Crasher is Ultra Boy, and you've got well, Manta is not reflective of any of the Legion, but a lot of them are. The first ones, uh, Oracle is Saturn Girl, and you've got um, the the Flaming One that's Sun Boy and such. And he was Superboy or Monel, uh, one of the two. But I'm pretty sure it was supposed to be Superboy though. Um, but, you know, giving him the Mohawk, I mean, again, that's Dave Cockrum. Yeah. Yeah, I've been thinking about that. <laughs> um, and she kind of loses control. And you don't know. It just says, you know, her scream is the birth cry of a demon. Um, and her visor, because, you know, this birth is the day of his death. So she kind of, I guess, is destroying everybody that's around her. Okay. Uh, and we cut back to uh, Vision, yeah. having saved the... Um, have you ever seen the vision carrying people? Back up a step. When she's screaming at the uh, the bottom panel of the last page, mm-hmm. he's bending over her. But in that yeah. last panel, is his face not just being torn disintegrated in the left? I yeah. think it's what that is. It's uh, this it looks birth is like... the day of his death. All right, he's gone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. he's gone. <laughs> I think everybody else too. Uh, so vision saves the grays. To, to your point, I don't know if he is. If they're intangible too, so that he is, they're all floating. Um, I guess yes. it looks like it because you can kind of see through them a little bit, can't you? Or can you? I don't know. I just see the grid lines. I don't. I'm not. Really I think sure. that's what I'm saying. Again, I guess what I'm saying. They they never quantified his his flying power in Ohatmu correctly. They only said that that was him weightless. You know, they didn't say he could propel himself. They never did. Again, they, you know, they've said, you know, there's, it's been kind of back and forth whether or not he can turn other things intangible, but apparently he was able to capture, you know, catch them and bring them to the ground. So we'll leave that for the yeah. story itself because I don't know what else to say. Mm. 
But this well, but it, go ahead. Uh, well, okay, he's fighting down with them, and then she says, "Look out for the other one." And then suddenly he's attacked by uh, the one who's using magnetic powers. It says the vision snaps to his intangible form mode. Well, when he already beat his intangible form by landing, you know, by flying and, and getting him down to the ground, it sounds like he wasn't. And suddenly he's he switched to it because uh, Colossus steps in and tries to save the, the uh, Jean Grey's parents, and then he becomes intangible so that he's not affected by the magnetic pulse. Um, Interesting. And then Cyclops puts together, you know, like you know the mutants that are missing, and then he's explaining it to uh, um, to uh, the Cap that uh, you know, hey, I think I know what uh, these Sentinels are. Are, and then we get one more, uh, and then another one pops down, and then we cut back. And this is cut. to uh, Professor X and the Martins and Kitty, right? Which we which was the opening of the other issue. We haven't come back yet. Mm-hmm. Um, but this is where the, you know, Indiana, right? Is that where, that where he went? Something like that, yeah. Yeah, and this one, again, I, I said this before, it kind of confused me because I didn't realize that she was in the hidden years uh, when uh, Kitty's talking to um, Ashley about, you know, oh, you've done this before. Um, and I'm assuming this is the one that attacked him. This one that's torn up here is the one that attacked yeah, him in that the, first that issue. Season, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and Professor, I guess Xavier's already told her, you know, that... Uh, so I didn't know who this character was, because I hadn't written, uh, read those issues yet. Um, but, yeah, the one thing that's interesting is that Kitty's curious about her powers, but at the same time, she's like, oh, crap, another new mutant. No pun intended. <laughs> well, see, look, look at her face down in the bottom right-hand corner. That is shrill. <laughs> you know, that's well, she's, she's an immature teen yeah and she's petty mm-hmm. but is she jealous yes. I, I didn't it's what well, she's jealous was she jealous because it's a new girl that might get colossus's attention or it's just because it's a new girl that she's not the new i was you know i'm the new the new kid at the school so i'm getting a lot of attention now it's gonna be yeah, i think kid. that's it yep that's i think it. that's it yeah she does mention earlier she says oh i've got it it's okay i've got a boyfriend he just doesn't know it yet and i'm assuming <laughs> yeah. she's talking about Colossus. Yes. Uh, so back to Annandale. Yeah, back to, uh, you know. Do you guys find this a little jarring to flip back and forth so much? A little, but they, it's what he's good at. Yeah. Keeping many balls in the air. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, and you can tell what's going on. It's just... Uh, it, it is weird sometimes going back to a, a story point that you haven't seen in a while. And, like, when we're watching... When, like, I'm reading it a page at a day... And we go to the storyline, and all of a sudden, we might cut back to Jean Grey. That part is jarring, because it's been weeks. That, that was, yeah, I could see that as being, yeah, if you're reading it that way, I could see that could be a little confusing. Yeah. But I, I really enjoyed the, the, the effects on this page, because the, the new Sentinel comes in, and it starts waving the hands around, and then all of a sudden, you know, Iron Man's, you know, stuff fails. Wonder Man's jets fail, and then you see Cyclops and the cops down on the street, and you can see in the background, looks like Wonder Man has fallen into that house. Yeah, uh, <clears throat> I didn't, I didn't notice that, but yeah, he's falling, he's falling through someone's roof. Did you ever see the last action hero with Arnold Schwarzenegger? Because mm-hmm. you know they 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 did a lot of that where there'd be a lot of action going on right with Arnold, but they also show this action in the background, like there was a van that was chasing him, and they were going up the side ramp. 
and Arnold finds a great way of getting away from him. And then you see in the background, it's just Arnold and the kid are talking. This van goes flying through the air off in the distance and a big explosion. Of course, you know, in the, the actual movie that it's supposed to represent, you'd follow the van and see the huge explosion. Right. But this is what that makes me think of. I wonder if when I was reading this with this, with so much interaction with, and we're fixing to get to it, with uh, other books, if 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 when this was, I don't think they would have, but when this was, if this was being actually being published um, back in the seventies, would they have done a crossover? Would some of this continue into the Avengers they or the FF? Done a story like this, they, he wouldn't have done a story like this back then. It's just too far-reaching, too many characters being used at once. You would have. And this is why he doesn't want to publish it through Marvel, is that, you know, there's always going to be somebody that says, no, you can't do this, or you can't do that. So well, he, he, he wouldn't even consider doing it like that back in the day. He might bring in the Avengers. But yeah, he and he even, had, yeah. yeah. But he wouldn't uh, necessarily bring in a Fantastic Four. He finally probably would bring in Iceman. Well, they're doing it now. They'd want to try to do crossovers because you can sell more books, but... Um, uh, same way he would, you know, he would bring in like Alpha Flight or something when they were doing their run, and they would yeah. just guest star, which was which is cool. You know, is that you didn't have to have a, a crossover. But I wonder if uh, if this, you know, this is an elsewhere, and this is a, a kind of a what if or a my take on it, then it doesn't have to follow continuity right. for anything else because it's it's uh, it's it's like when Abrams did the Kelvin universe, he split that off in its own thing and it does it it can do whatever it wants to do it doesn't have to follow establishment exactly now on on page 18 doesn't captain america's proportions look a little off yeah he's a little thin and scrawny yeah i love the beast though i mean that reminds me of um x-men 137 when he gets shocked by the robot oh by uh war star yeah but you know still the look on his face and everything right there and that's one of the police officers behind him, right? I think so. Yeah. Like on top of a car, yeah. I love how Burke calls it clear water and raw sewage burst of the uh, the explo- with explosive force. So you can just imagine they're being covered in um, raw sewage. Oh, no fun. Kind of like the, the the when Wolverine's underneath the Hellfire Club and he's coming up, you know, <clears throat> he's all covered in sewage. Yeah, but then we get. With a bakum, the foreshadowing, no pun intended, of uh, yeah. But I, I saw this. I didn't know what that was. I thought it was. An, I was thinking, who? What? This is a great way to introduce. I mean, it's typical comic stuff, but um, and then that's a great. That's just a great splash page with uh, the FF coming on board, and uh, again, how he's drawn them not in his style when he was on the book, but more close to the time frame when this was on. So. Uh, it's a great way to end. Whoops, great way to end the story. That the the image of the thing though is just. I mean, every time he's been drawing him, he's just fantastic in the detail and and everything. He's three D to me here in this last image. His left arm is a little bit too long for my taste, but I agree, it's a great splash. Yeah. How about, how about the detail in Mister Fantastic's left hand? Is it's right up in your face. Mm-hmm. That's, yeah, that's beautiful. This and would I make a good cover for next issue. <laughs> yeah. It would. And I love the, the Ben's lead-in. On the page before, he says, Don't get too full of yourself, Shiny. 
this game ain't even got started yet. And you can hear Shaw the settles, they go, they go, no. And he says, to phrase a coin, it's clobbering time. <laughs> Love it. And the, the ending caption is, need we say more? Guys, I'm yeah, having a blast with this stuff. It is. You know, I I would love if, if once he kind of gets this out of his system, if he did something similar by going back to the FF and maybe either taking up where he left off, which I don't know, he probably told everything he wanted to tell there. But and, and, and I would just love yeah, to have him draw some more of this. Well, and that's the thing is that, you know, he's got this OCD on the X-Men based on how things went because he and, and Claremont had a roadmap of where they wanted to go with it. And he just felt like the, the, the stories he wanted to tell got taken away from him while they were doing it. And then definitely more so once he left the book. So he's got that feeling of this needs to be done. Whereas with every other thing, he's, you know, got to say what he wanted to say in, in, in a lot of cases. I mean, again, he got pulled off the, he pulled himself off the Hulk um, way too that soon. Would be, yeah, that, that would be but he did go back. He did go back later and write Hulk with Ron Garney. Mm -hmm. And I never, I have not read those yet. I've just started on the, um, the Iron Man's that he's doing with John Romita Jr. Um, so I'm reading those right now. And, um, but I, you know, I mean, the thing is, is like, it, it's gotta be something that stokes the passion in him. And hopefully with him doing this stuff right here, maybe, he could return to what happened on West Coast Avengers. That was a storyline that was going somewhere, and I wanted to see where it was going to go, or where it could go. People have asked him where he was taking Wanda in the the uh, darker than amber or darker than scarlet uh, storyline, and uh, from what I'd read, he basically said, "Oh, pretty much where they took it, uh, something like that," but I don't remember. But yeah, it was it was going towards Avengers Dissembled. But he didn't say that was his story. It's just, yeah, that's where he was headed with it. So I think his story has been told, or or that story has been told. I would not expect him to step back into those shoes again. But, you know, hey, whatever he wants to do, I'll buy it. And that's yeah. the thing. And it, it is whatever he wants to do. Whatever he wants to draw is the key. He's got to have something that he wants to draw. And it will flow off the pencil. And we'll get to see I, it. But what happens if he, when he finishes his story? Is he going to be like, "I'm done," or is he going to have something else to say? Well, he's, I think, I think he'll he's always have something to say. Yeah, I think he, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he can't. He can't tell me he doesn't have some more FF stories to tell. Uh, but but and do some one shots. Do don't think, oh, I have to tell a twenty page story. Do a like an oversized, almost like an annual. Do well, you, you know, know I've got did, this one FF story I want to tell. He did that Batman Captain America story that in, that inspired him to do Generations. I would love to see the Captain America side of Generations. You know, I mean, you could that would be almost like Captain America Iron Man or Captain America whatever. But you know, we saw the 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 DC version of it. Is there a Marvel version? Could he have could he have told something like that? Because you know, I mean, every time he's handled Captain America, he's handled them really really well. And I always felt that, that he probably had, you know, stories that he could have told there. Now, he didn't take over the book as, you know, be, you know being solidarity with solidarity for Roger Stern, based on what happened back when they were on the book together. But, I mean, I could see him telling stories there. Once again, it's got to be something that he's got a passion for. 
Guys, we're going to have to wrap this up. Yeah, I've got to get going too. But yeah. I, I've really enjoyed this. And uh, again, you know, there's uh, going to be in a week's time two more issues that we can cover uh, if you guys want to do that. Maybe we can yeah. put John in there. Yeah, I'm up for it. I mean, we're all stuck at home, right? Yeah. <laughs> Not a whole lot to do. Kirk, it's really been a pleasure doing these with you. Um, like your Absolutely. Insight. Yeah. I'd love to come back, guys. I enjoy yeah. it. We just have to move faster. The family has been uh, kind of giving me dirty looks saying, hey, you said this was only going to be two hours. And it's like, okay, okay, they don't <laughs> want to be quiet anymore. So I'm glad to, to help out. I really enjoy this. I just think we should move a little faster. All right, understood. understood. Okay. All right, well, you want to take us out, Brian? Sure. Um, again, if you know, for the uh, X Men Elseworlds stories, uh, this is Third Degree Burn with Brian Hughes, my buddy. What's Tim your Mel- name? Tim Elliott. And Kirk Greenfield. Thank you, everybody. You have a great week. Stay inside. Stay safe. We'll see you soon. All right. Bye. <laughs> Thanks for listening. You can find us and many other great shows at tutufreaks.com. That's T-W-O-T-R-U-E-F-R-E-A-K-S.com. Third Degree Burn is spelled with the number three, R-D-D-E-G-R-E-E-B-Y-R-N-E, and is part of the Tutu Freaks network of shows. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter. Just look for Third Degree Burn, spelled with the number three, and burn spelled B-Y-R-N-E. Compliments, complaints, and recipes can be sent to gottagetburned at gmail.com. That's G-O-T-T-A-G-E-T-B-Y-R-N-E-D at gmail.com. Drop us a line and tell us how we're doing. If you're interested in any of the books we cover in the show, just head over to tutufreaks.com and use the Amazon link to shop. This doesn't cost any extra, but it really helps support the shows. Till next time, this has been Third Degree Burn. All right, I'll be mayor.